Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Yeah, a little earth, wind, and fire for you, Joe. That's how we get started. Good for your soul. Earth, wind, and fire. We got a little soul food for you today. See, Joel is on top of it, my man, Joel. Jolie knows you well, doesn't he? He does. Hey, at some point in this show, we've got to have a little segment where we get Joel's picks for the weekend as he's an expert handicapper. Did you know that? I knew he was he was active, let's say, Listen, in that realm. I, every Sunday, I get his picks. Every Sunday night, I'm pretty happy that I got his picks. He's good at it? Uh, yeah, especially, I tell you, he's really good at NBA. I mean, you know, a lot of guys can't bet the NBA. Joel can. So, we can get, maybe later in the show, we can get a few uh, nuggets from him for the weekend. What do you think? I like it. Let's do it. I like it a lot. Why don't we do that right around uh, Tex in the City, which is very <laughs> exciting. You aware of that segment, how it's taken yes. off internationally? Yes. Intergalactically. They're even listening to it on Uranus, Charlie. Right. Did you hear They're about everywhere. that? Uh, I like his nickname for you, Craig T. T-Bird, we could call you. I thought that was Tom. Yeah, I know. But he's not on the air, so nobody knows who he is. That's you like true. T-Bird for him, Paul? T-Bird. Yeah. We <laughs> shortened Craig T. Nelson to T yeah. and then extended to T-Bird. Does that work for him? Craig T. Yeah, I guess T-Bird would work. T-Bird. Yeah. Are you okay with that, Jolie? Yeah, okay yeah that. let's roll with it. Let's roll with T-Bird. that for a while. How yeah. are you today? How is everybody? You feeling better, Paul? Uh, I'm okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, effort the uh, guy who deals with uh, our, um, like, passwords and things. Because yesterday my password expired. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. Yesterday I- my password expired. And I changed it on the fly, to, you know, while I'm on the show. Right. And now I can't remember what my password is. Yeah. 
You uh, might want to get a hold of him. Yeah, I'm getting Honey I'm, Chuck is yeah, his name. I, I got he him. was outside smoking a few minutes ago. <laughs> You'll get him. I'm afraid of some things, T-Bird and Paul. Um, for one, we have the Larry Richard uh, Feed the Need performance concert tonight. The Oaks Theater. Still walk-up tickets available in Oakmont for tonight at 7.30, and I'm performing a song, and I'm afraid that everyone's going to laugh at me. This is like uh, when Ron was in with me, Paul. Okay. He... <laughs> I'm listening. As Paul looks up Honey Chuck's number. I'm, I'm, I got it. Ron had care. a horribly traumatic experience as a youth. He had to give a report in front of his class as like an eight-year-old. Okay. And his legs started shaking. And and to make matters worse, somebody in the class said, look at Cook's legs shaking. And it affected him the rest of his life. To this day, uh, it scarred Ron. So I'm afraid tonight when I sing this song... Yeah, but you've been at on the stage Oaks Theater. performing before. Sort of. Not in a while. Have and you then ever been it, to the Oaks? No. Is it cool? I hear it's, cool it's, little, it's, it's getting renovated theater, yeah. or has been renovated. It's a cool little theater. I saw, um, I saw uh, the last time I was there, I saw uh, Let's Groove Tonight, which is a mm. Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute band. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's pretty cool about Let's Groove Tonight is they actually have a guy, Curtis Johnson, who's a sax player. Who is actually in Earth, Wind, and Fire? How many tribute bands? That's pretty cool. I'll that is great. You, right? So they got. So I saw them, and then I saw another group. It was a Frankie Valley tribute band. They were unbelievable. Sully likes Frankie Valley. Do you I like? Think. It was Frankie. Is it, what, what was the movie? The Jersey Boys, where they sing. Mm-hmm. Is that a Frankie Valley type thing? I don't want to tell people that Sully likes uh, Frankie Valley when when maybe I he think doesn't. It is. Um, but they're all going to laugh at me, Paul. That could happen. Either that, it's either the way my brain works, it's going to be either everyone's going to laugh at me and I have to leave and they might even throw stuff or they're all going to be holding up their phone uh, phone flashlights as lighters and they're going to be screaming like it's giant stadium when I saw Tom Petty and Bob Dylan there in 1986 and some guy tripping on acid kept walking up to me trying to hand me a red sneaker throughout the whole concert. So I picture the crowd going crazy and wanting me to sing more. Nothing's normal. I don't have a brain that works normally. <laughs> I have a I have an addictive brain, and 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 that manifests itself in many different ways: delusions of grandeur and delusions of ruination. Both of those things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, There's no in between. There's no just living life and having things be normal. When you sing or you perform on stage, is there a point when you get up there that? You just kind of calm down and settle in. Yeah, but it's not. They're only giving me one song. It's usually three or four. You know, if you're playing a, at a coffee shop or something. Why are you, they you, only you, giving you one song? I don't know. Larry said maybe two, if uh, if they like me. But they're not going to like me. They're going to laugh at me. Yeah. Anything else new, or can we get to the six pack? I wanted to treat you to a Friday morning six pack. Is it free or free light? What's your favorite kind of beer? Um, I really like. I mean. I tell you, I really like Blue Moon. Yeah, but I'm a diabetic, so I'm really I have to stay away from it for the most part. I so like I drink Coors Light. I well, mean, just for this morning, let's indulge you in a Blue Moon, a, a six moon, pack yes. of Blue Moon. Yeah. I like Blue Moon a lot, but I have to drink Coors Light or Michelob Ultra because of my yeah and 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 and, and diabetes. I understand, but that doesn't count here on the Friday show. We can indulge him, Jolie or T Bird. Oh, there we go. Penguins is where we lead off today. Paul, I thought that was actually 
a pretty good performance, generally speaking. But you got to finish. Somebody has to finish. Like, I thought they were engaged. I thought they completely outplayed the Kraken in the first period. But at some point, and I'm looking at you, Evgeny Malkin, somebody's got to finish. I mean... They were 0 for 3 on a power play. Yeah. The moral of the whole damn story is, and I hate to say this because I love Evgeny Malkin, and I feel like I've stood up for him many times over the years when other people want to rip him. But he's the biggest problem on the team right now. That's the way I feel like he's getting paid to be a star, and and they need him to be a star. Not not a superstar like he was early in his career, but he's got to. Yeah. He's got to score a goal is he, what he's got to do. He's, he, he, what is it, 12 games? His personal record is 15. What, I'll tell you when I knew they were going to lose. Yes. It was still 0-0, 25, 30 minutes into the game, and it felt like the Penguins should be up 4 nothing. Like they dominated the yes. first 25 minutes of that right. game. And it felt like this is going to be a game where Seattle's going to get a, a, you know, kind of a, not fluky, but kind of a goal, you know what I mean? After the Penguins dominate, 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 dominate. And the Seattle's going to get a goal, and they're going to they're gonna win like 3-1. to one. And the final score is 2 nothing. Right. And, and, that, and, was and just, that was just a and you and, and, and what's frustrating is, I think the most frustrating thing about this team, and you're talking about, you know, Malkin needs to get a goal. Obviously, Crosby's done what he's supposed to do. But if I would have told you, at the beginning of the season, that their goaltenders would be in the top five in save percentage, I think the top three in shutouts. Ajari right? leads the and, league. And, 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 and top two or three in goals against. And that their top four players, allegedly, or four, the, the yeah. core four, Latang, yeah. Crosby, Malk, and Carlson would play every game. Yes. If I told you that at the beginning of the season, you'd say, oh, they're probably the fourth or fifth seed at least, right? If not vying for the top seed. Do you seed. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, right. And, 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 and that's what's the most frustrating thing about it. It's not, it's not that um, – it, it just speaks to the fact that I just don't think they're good enough. I know. Because all the – listen, pretty much outside of Rust having a couple of injuries – and now, obviously, uh, Gensel having a little, but I mean, those are you know standard. Every team's got a few guys get banged up. Yes. Outside of those two things, pretty much everything has gone this team's way in terms of their old guys have all stayed healthy. Their goalie has been really, really good. Both of their goalies have been really, really good. They've had very, very few games where you know their goalies blew up. Uh, you know, I guess you could say the Flyers game, but they won that game, so yes. it doesn't matter. Right. My point is. Everything you'd want for this team, you, it's pretty much happened, and yet they can't score. They're like, and yet they yes, can't score. And they're seven, eight points out of you know the playoffs still, or whatever it is. I wonder if we look back on this as being the year that Gino went into steep decline. And I thought he actually had a lot of hop last night, but no finish. Next, Mr. T. Mr. T. Does that work for you, Paul? Mr. T. Jolie, T-Bird, or Mr. T? Which would you prefer? T-Bird. T-Bird. Okay, we'll go with that one. Coming up next here, Paul, or right now, as the case would be, Jeremy Roenick on his Snipes and Stripes podcast says this about Sully. You would think that Jeremy Roenick knows some people. Yes, here we go. Some of the players are starting to turn on Mike Sullivan, are starting to lose faith and lose interest in Mike Sullivan. Um, 
maybe that's maybe that is a big decision that Pittsburgh has to make. He's been there for a long time. He's a great coach. He is a guy that has gotten it done. But when you lose when you lose the ear of the players as a coach, we've seen what happens. When you need when you need a new voice, you need a new a new system, you need a new trajectory as behind the bench. That might be what's what what might be the next the next call for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. How about them apples? And I need to put that in context. Before that first quote there, he said, I heard a rumor over the weekend. So he's not stating that as fact. And when you put, I heard a rumor over the weekend, you know, that softens it a little bit. Nonetheless, it's Jeremy Roenick talking there. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, isn't that what happens in hockey? Yeah. I mean, I, I think more, more than other sports right. because it's that it's the head coach's – like in football, you're in with your position coach right. every day. With him, with Sully, although I hear that he's been delegating more to his assistants in practice, it's that same – Sully voice every single day for yeah. years, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing about it is he you start to lose faith if it's not working. You know? Unfortunately, that's a part of it. And here's the other part of it. The guys that are probably at the top of the roster, the stars, are probably the ones that still have faith in him because how many guys still are left from the cup teams? Yeah, those guys have seen it. Have seen I've his seen his methods work. But uh, but but now the team is overwhelmingly guys who didn't win the cup. And what you said before, like I actually did make. I didn't think they were excuses. I thought there were legitimate reasons 
to let Sully off the hook with some of these recent playoff losses. One, he had a guy eating pork and broccoli before. He was going with Louis Domingue. Yeah. Come on. Uh, that's right. And then the, 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 the one year, was it the same year? Jari was injured. The year before, Jari fell apart. I thought those were good teams, and Sully did good jobs. But these past two years, it's just what you said. Last year, Gino and, and, and Sid played every single game. This year, just what you said, they've gotten great goaltending, and, and his main guys – with the exception of Gensel and Rust here and there lately, have played every game. The core four has played every game, so th- the excuses or explanations have run out. Yeah. And no. now what? And now and the, what? And, and the thing about it is, the now what part of that is, if you think about it, that's when you start to talk about maybe it's time for a change in the voice. Feels like the team is in the, a very similar state to when Sully got here. Right. You know, you you you've stars was... struggling, some of them. You have a malaise sort of over the team, although I think they played really hard these past couple games. But for the most part, it feels like they need a jump start. The yes. kind that Sully gave them when he came here. The, sci- the kind that Dan Bowsma gave them when he came. Yes. I mean, so, you know, again, the, the, the weird thing about hockey, it's the one sport – where midseason coaching changes seem to work, and yes. I'm, not, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you make the change just for that reason, but I am a guy who generally is opposed to midseason changes in coaching, yeah. except in hockey, because I mean, in hockey it's proven for whatever reason a new voice comes in the room, you know, probably doesn't change all that much about how they play, but it's a new voice, you know, and for whatever reason it seems to jumpstart. These teams. Yeah. We've it, seen it, it how many it, times. It's, it's happened, and it's happened here. And I'm not saying necessarily I would do this, fire Sully. I'm not saying I would do it. What I object to is the idea that uh, Kyle Dubas put forth, for one, and I think fans, a lot of fans anyway, would agree, is it's not even a topic. Remember right, he called right. it low-hanging fruit the right. other day? Yeah, yeah, Like, that's not even a discussion. Yeah, it is a discussion. And you know what? If they don't make the playoffs, it has to be a discussion. Has to be. Jolie, next. It's Off the Top, brought to you by J.P. Roofing and Siding. I had breakfast with my friend Joe Potochnik from J.P. Roofing and Siding today. How did that go? What a wonderful man he is. It was me, him, his mustache, and Marty Tuffer, John Calipari's old... Uh, Roommate from Clarion. Did you know that? I did not know that. Marty Tuffer back there wow. was roommates with Calipari. How about that? Are they friends still? Not really. You know, actually they are. Marty Tuffer got Calipari on for us during Ron's Sendaway Week. Calipari called in and told a couple of great Marty Tuffer stories. But that's beside the point. I was remiss here. The biggest story of the day is Hank Davis and Paul Skeens. Paul Zeiss. There's no question about that, well, man. One guy hits a three-run homer. <laughs> the other's throwing 102, and everybody's wondering what's going to happen. It, it, it's the best-case scenario for the Pirates and the worst-case scenario for the Pirates. Exactly. The best-case scenario because, obviously, those are your two you know, two guys that are – Number figure, one overall picks. Right, that you want to be figuring prominently into whatever you know the, the future is for the team. But also the worst-case scenario – because now, you know what? Nobody cares about anything else except for one of those two guys going to be on the major league roster. The one guy's hitting three sixty. Yeah. The other guy, you saw him for well, you saw him for eight seconds ten and ten pitch. pitches, but still. But I'm just telling you, 
if it, I told you that, didn't we talk about this yesterday? If Skeens goes out and has a really good spring training and Davis goes out and has a, a big spring, can you imagine when they announce right before the season, okay, here's our major league roster. If those two guys are like, you know, sent to Indianapolis yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Call this number for tickets to Indy's opener. And, and here's the thing. Can I just tell you this too? So I saw Andrew Filippone tweeted out today. If they just hold Skeens in the minors for 15 more days, they get an extra year of control. Who wouldn't do that? I don't okay. care. I don't give a crud about right. 2029 and here's, right now. It's not even 2029. It's what it's 2031 or 2032 or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. This is what I always say. How many of these guys that the Pirates protect every single inch of their years of, of control and their Super 2 and their arbitration and all the other garbage – how many of them actually get to that point? Well, we matters? could have a discussion about that, but Garrett Cole certainly fits into that. You but know? they traded him before that. That's what I'm saying. You're right. I'm saying Garrett every, Cole uh, is an example of it didn't do him any good. Every single one of these guys. And he didn't come up till June of that year. Right. And if he came up before June of that year, maybe they have home field against the Cardinals right. and win the division. Right. Every game counts. That, but there, 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 there's two questions here. First with Davis. And credit to Jason Mackey for finally asking somebody to clarify, is Grandal your starter or is he just one guy and then the other guy? So Jason Mackey asked Shelty very simply, is Grandal the starting catcher? Shelty said, that's a good question. <laughs> Yaz is going to catch. He's also 35. So whoever our C2 is, is going to get some time. We have to be very mindful when he catches and how much he catches. Mindful of making sure we get the second guy in there in a situation that we like all the time. So he doesn't expect Grandal to catch 100 games, Paul. He says he's 35 years old. He's not going to do that anymore, but he's going to get a good share of the catching. So it sounds to me like 90, 95 for Grandal if he stays healthy and the other guy then gets 70 or so. Is that other guy going to be Hank Davis? Does that make sense for the guy to be Hank Davis catching 70? It seems to make sense to me, but I, I wonder if they think, hey, he's only going to catch 70. Let's send him to Indy and, and put him in control of a staff and have him be the guy there. That makes no sense. <laughs> what do you think? No, I mean, I think that the bottom line is, if, I would hope that by the end of the year, he's the starting catcher. Would you agree with me? Okay, you start off with Grandal as your. I don't care because Endy's going to be the guy next year anyway. Okay, so but my point, you have to find out if he's a catcher this year, Peter. And do you? I think you do. In, because I, I think you thing. need to find out if he can be a hitter you, for you. You this want year. him to be a hitter, absolutely. But you, you know, bouncing him around in different fielding positions is not, you know, it's not a good sustainable way. But if what if he's hitting? You've got to get him in the lineup every day. You can use him at DH. Yeah. But then you know, there's. There's other guys. It's it's really the weirdest situation I can read. Can can you remember a situation no. like this? No. With the Pirates or any team really, where your first round pick, you kind of know what you have, but you don't know what you have. And we're what four or five years since he's you know really been in the organization. Right. I mean. I don't ever recall a situation like this where everybody seems to be like, okay, we know there's something we can do. We just don't know what it is. Well, the morning guys, they made a good point in that 
people are talking about catching like it's a foreign uh, concept to him. He's been a catcher his whole life, to which I would say, yes. So why did the Pirates play him in right field? <laughs> why didn't they catch him last year then? Well, again, They're the ones who brought up, who, well, who created this whole notion that maybe it. he can't catch. Maybe he's a right fielder. Or as Parado told us yesterday, why not train the kid at first base where you're weak in your system? Right. Why? I thought I thought that to me. I said that last year. Looking at what they have at first base, all the way through the system, really. I mean, I mean, listen. I I love Connor Joe. I do. I think he's a valuable player for them, but he's part of your platoon at first base. Right. You, you, after all this time of rebuilding, you know, it, it, you need a first baseman. Right. My point is. If you put him at first, teach him how to play first. Yes. And he hits. You know what it reminds me of? Did you ever watch Moneyball, the movie? Yeah. Right? Remember? They have that dude, uh, Hattieberg. Scott yeah. Hattieberg, right, I think right. is his name, right? He's a Is he a catcher that they say, but he like blew out his arm? But he gets on base a lot. He hits. So he's a first baseman. Man, that's what, that's what worries me about Endy. Is he came up here and he struggled, but, right. he, but he gunned guys down at right. second. Right. He he like right. he was among the league leaders. I'm worried about his blown out arm, but but my point it is, was his throwing arm, wasn't it? I, for Andy, I think so. Somebody wants to call Jolie Joel N. Bead. Do you like that? Yeah, he would, it's he, a little cumbersome, but would, I like it. He would like that, aren't you? Aren't I you? Do like that. He's a Sixers yeah. guy. Basketball and yeah. Bead. He's a six. You're a Sixers yeah. guy, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You I know, like the Pennsylvania it. team. Yeah. I like that a lot. Now, when we get to Skeens, then you said it yesterday, and it was a rich topic of conversation with the PM guys who talked to Paul Skeens. We're going to bring that conversation back later. He has a limited number of innings, Paul. Why not make most of those innings here? He sure looks like he fits in, especially when he goes up to one hundred three. Or whatever he we went well, up to yesterday. Well, I, I agree, but again, you just, you know, 15 days down there, they get another year of control. I'm sure there's the Super 2 thing and all that. I don't give a crap. I understand that, but my listen, you're preaching to the choir on this, but I'm just telling you, and I don't think they're going to give him a ton of innings down there. Like, I don't think he's going to go five, six, seven innings into games down there unless they really believe they're going to stretch him out to be a starting pitcher this year, which if they do – He's going to be on an innings count. Well, the stretch is going a little slow. He basically came in for a pitch. <laughs> I well, get, I, listen. When, I, when are we going to get up? Like, Joe, what's the plan here? We go from 10 to 15, Joe, 15 to 20, bad, 20 to 23, I got 23 some to 28. Bad news for you, Joe. Yeah? You're old. And because. No, 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 no. Right, well, I am old. That's true. Because but but, you're but old. I'm old. Listen, I'm all for even a. How, how about this? Bring up Paul Skeens. Parado talked yesterday about the bullpen game. The fifth spot in the yeah. rotation is the bullpen game. Excellent. I Have Skeens go the first two. I, I even talked about, better yet, bring Skeens up like they did with David Price. Look at this fight behind you. Sorry. Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Let's not have him on our team. <laughs> anyway. He beat the <laughs> hell out of that guy. Yeah, let's not have that guy on our team because, you know, we don't need that guy. Again, um, Paul Skeens, I even said, do what they did with David Price's first year. And David Price turned out to be a pretty – would you agree he's turned out to be a really good starter? Yeah, just okay. reverse it and have him start games and pitch two innings instead of coming yeah, off you could, in, in late. Do, Let's do, do that. We could do that too. But my point is, could you imagine 
<laughs> All I'm trying to, could you imagine at PNC Park? Okay, it's Saturday. You know, fireworks and hot dog night. So there's thirty six thousand people there. Skeens yeah. is on the mound. Guns, you know, one hundred and three on the on the gun fifteen times in two innings. Strikes out strikes six out in a row. Six, uh, strikes out, you know, five out of six. And 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 the other guy, he basically saws off his bat right for a weak ground out. And Shelty pulls and him. And Shelty pulls him out the game. I mean, could you imagine they're looking out in the seat, the bullpen, whoever it doesn't they matter. bring in Bailey yeah, Falter. Yeah, they bring in Bailey. Whoever comes running in would be booed out of the city, even if it was a guy who was their best reliever. Right. I mean, it's almost a no win for the Pirates, except here's how you actually win is use him. Use him. Anyway, one more, Jolie. And there's a there's a lot going on here, Paul. <laughs> I don't know where to go with this thing. We're going to have to get to Omar Khan later. We got Tyler Kennedy yeah. coming up. All hell's broken loose. I want well, to get to we're, we're two good. more quick ones in the six-pack. Man, does that sound good. Yes. LeBron James heading in on 40,000 points. He needs nine. Is he the greatest basketball player who ever lived, in your opinion? No. But he has had the greatest career. There's, those, are two different, those are two different discussions. They are. The greatest player is Michael Jordan. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, listen, you have one game to win. Who are you taking? You're taking Jordan, okay? No, I'm not, but go ahead. Who are you taking? Kareem. And I think Kareem had the greatest career. Better than LeBron James's career? Yeah. Do you remember Kareem at LeBron James's age? He was still winning championships. He, I just saw Isaiah... And James Worthy talking, going back yeah. and reliving. And they were like, man, do we talk about Kareem enough? He was 38 and he was the best player in that series. He was not, but that's okay. <laughs> he was unbelievable. He was, good. he was good in that series. He was, but he was not the best player in that series. But look at LeBron James. I know. He's tw- this is what? Year t- Joel, is it year 21? It's crazy. Is he's, it- he's Tom Brady of, of basketball. It's year 21. And, and, and maybe the other, better. The other night when they played, what, what did he do against Golden State? What was that stat line against Golden State a few weeks ago? Remember that? It was like it was a triple-double, was wasn't it? Yeah, it was a triple-double with like 48 points or something, wasn't it? It was like 48-18 and like, I mean, I honestly think at the end of the day, the one thing about you can make the argument with Kareem, Kareem, I think, had more MVPs than LeBron. And he also, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe with Kareem, I'm thinking it was the greatest basketball career from high school through pros of all time. Right. I don't think that's questionable. Because he won four. But, cha- you're probably he, he, right. He won four championships yeah. in, in, at UCLA, right? He, well, yeah. Yeah, because three or four. No, Could they four. play as freshmen? I don't remember. I think he won four. I don't, but, and then at Power Memorial, he was a yeah, legend. Yeah. Um, he won six MVPs. I want to say he won at least six titles, if not seven. I think six. Who? Kareem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. He won so six. So if he has six MVPs and six titles, Joel, do you have it up there real quick? I don't know if he won six MVPs. He, he won but six, he also he won, won Defensive Player of the Year. He won, he won six MVPs, I'm pretty sure. Joel, pull up LeBron James. How many MVPs does he won? And also, they've won. he's won what, four titles, three titles? He won two. Four, at, I think. Two with yeah. the Heat. Did he win one with the? One with Cleveland. And one with the Lakers, right? Did they win three with the Heat? Yeah, he's won three or four. Two, two. He's won four titles. What do we have, Jolie? Yeah, four titles, four finals MVPs, four regular season right. MVPs. That's pretty good. Okay, look up, look up. Kareem. Kareem. Uh, in the meantime, we have another one, Paul, while we're at it here. Another 
all-time scorer and all-time player, at least, uh, you know, I would say top five, top ten, but as far as scoring, a legend, and that is Caitlin Clark. But the story here is she's going for uh, Pistol Pete's record. I know you don't feel like that's legit. I'm, I'm sort of in between. That's not the story. The story is this is the highest priced women's game of all time. Number six, Iowa against number two, Ohio State. $546 is the average price. 546 You and I talked about this the other day. We have daughters, play sports, coach girls sports. Women's sports is in a different place, man. We had the 100000 or so for a women's volleyball game. People go crazy to watch that at the end of the year, their tournament. Softball, that tournament gets huge viewership at the end of the year. And this, uh, this is a spectacle. 546 bucks to get in the door. Is it at Iowa or is it at Ohio State? I think it's at Iowa. Last home game. Yeah, yep, it's at Iowa. Yeah, uh, $546. Yeah, I mean, listen, she, she's bringing people in. Uh, people want to see her. People want to get a piece of her. Women's here, sports, though, in a different stratosphere than ever thing, before, right? I, I mean, here's the thing I would tell you. It's interesting. I mean, if you're the WNBA team. Indiana. If you're Indiana, I'd have to think of who else is in the field, right? But you have to take her. You're taking her. Because she's going to sell tickets. Even if you don't think she's the best. Still in the Midwest there. Right. Even if, sure. even if you don't think she's the best player on the board, you have to take her. Were you surprised that she declared pro? No. With, with NIL right no. now, she could probably make more money in college. No, she'll make a lot more money. Um, she it, will? It, yeah. The WNBA has, for the their stars, she'll make a ton of money. Now her salary won't be high, but she's going to make a ton of money in endorsements. They have they have a really good endorsement. Package. Yeah, and I guess she can still do the things like this. Montana Fouts was it the softball pitcher from Alabama? If I was one of these people, I would be. She went around and did yeah. clinics. If yeah. I was Caitlin Clark, I would travel around the country. Yeah. Give me three hundred people at a hundred bucks a pop. I'll do a clinic. I'll sign whatever you want to sign. Give the girls a speech. I do it in thirty states. Right. How much is that, Jolie? Do you have a calculator in front of you? Ron well, can figure this out off the top of his head. What is it? Three hundred people at a hundred bucks. That's thirty thousand bucks. Thirty thousand times and thirty. Times thirty. That's like nine point nine, isn't it? Or nine? Yeah, nine point nine million. Is that what that is? Thirty thousand. No, nine nine. That's nine hundred. Nine. How how much is that, Jolie? Nine hundred thousand. Nine hundred thousand. Nine hundred. Make you make a million bucks for having a little barnstorming tour around the country, but she can do that as a pro. We've gone way she over could time. Also, she could also, she's also going to be able to go to like Israel or Russia or one of those places and make millions in the off season. Oh yeah. You know, that, I, mean, that, I don't know that I would recommend Russia yeah, at the no. moment. She could ask, uh, what's just, her name about don't, that? Just don't bring her, uh, just don't bring, you know, hippie lettuce in there with you and you'll be all right. Well, I don't know, but she's going to make a ton yes, of, she's gonna of make money no of matter money. what. We have to go. We've gone way over time. Big, big surprise Let there. Let me ask you a question yes. real quick. If you're the Indiana team, yeah. okay, to be honest, prospect-wise, better player probably in the WNBA, the kid from LSU, Angel Reese. Is she eligible for the draft? Yeah, yeah. So if you had, if you wanted to take her, or would you say – 
We'll take the little lesser player who's going to sell a zillion tickets. No, I think Angel Reese will sell tickets too, but not no, as many. Not, and not. the other thing is Indiana just drafted the South Carolina inside girl yes. last year. Yes. So they're they're built for and, inside outside. And 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 also and I hate to say it like this, but you're Indiana. You have a white superstar. It's probably going to play well in that state. I would imagine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, Tyler Kennedy. Uh, do we? We almost went a whole hour. We're going to get in trouble for this one. Yeah, we, uh, no, we won't. As you said, nobody listens, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. And the hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing HVAC provider for over 50 years. Uh, Mr. T, just tell Tyler Kennedy it's another one of those weeks. He's very flexible. It's one thing I admire about him. Tyler Kennedy, next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Who's this, Paul? I'm a little Bobby Brown for you, right? Mr. T's keeping you uh, yeah, fed here, little, fed on the little, music you like. little tenderoni, right? Let's go to the Sullivan Super Service Fan hotline, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. And I might also tell you that we're coming up on the 50-minute mark on the fan, brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Route 19 in Peters Township. Celebrating 50 years in the South Hills, we find Stanley Cup champion Tyler Kennedy. Tyler, that was that was a frustrating game last night. I thought they actually played pretty well, but... Man, it's back to the old problems. They can't finish on the power play or at even strength. That was frustrating. How would you characterize the game last night? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I thought, you know, they came out and I thought they outplayed Seattle the first two periods. They were seemed like a faster team, the hungrier team. But, you know, they couldn't finish to kind of, you know, when you get scored on, it takes some of the wind out of your sails. But when it's Nothing, nothing, you know, a team still has hope. Even if they're losing, you know, the game, either skill-wise or the, the play's always in one end. Again, if it's nothing, nothing, it gives a team hope. And, you know, they just let them stay around in the game, not scoring. And, you know, Seattle gets one goal, and it just seemed like the tides turned pretty quickly. Well, that's the biggest thing, uh, uh, Tyler. When you're in a game like that and you're dominating like they did, uh, you know, the first 20, 25 minutes, and you don't get a goal and you don't get a lead, is it really a little bit even more deflating when the other team scores than than normal? Yes, 100%. It just – when when you're playing well and you don't get rewarded and then you go back in the room and – you don't have nothing on the board. It's a tough intermission because you're like, wow, we just dominated and we got nothing to show for it. And then when they score a goal, it's like, Oh, it's going to be one of those nights. And it just seemed like that's what happened. And that was, um, 
a, a big loss. And when you look at the schedule, their schedule kind of sucked too because they're going from Canada to the U.S., back to Canada through customs and all that. That's a pain in the butt for a player. Tyler Kennedy on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. All right, Tyler. Uh, Jeremy Roenick on the Snipes and Stripes podcast said he heard a rumor over the weekend, and this is the rumor that he heard. This is Roenick. Take a listen. Some of the players are starting to turn on Mike Sullivan, are starting to lose faith and lose interest in Mike Sullivan. Um, maybe that's Maybe that is a big decision that Pittsburgh has to make. He's been there for a long time. He's a great coach. He is a guy that has gotten it done. But when you lose, when you lose the ear of the players as a coach, we've seen what happens. When you need, when you need a new voice, you need a new, a new system. You need a new trajectory as behind the bench. That might be what's what, what might be the next, the next call for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Thoughts, Tyler? I think that's coming from afar you know i don't think he plays that close attention to the penguins to be honest i love ronick but like i think that's from afar um i don't think he's lost the ear of the players you know i think the players still respect him i just think it's one they're having a hard time scoring when you have a hard time scoring it has nothing to do with losing respect from your players you know they just can't score goals they they have no one that's putting up like when you look at the other teams there's some teams with five player with 20 goals like how many players on the penguins have 20 goals you know sid gensel then who you know that's well then who becomes the question because gino has become i love gino uh, let me say that yeah, first but but he's yeah. he's become an issue uh he's he he can't find the net he had a little jump last night, but they're depending on him a lot, Tyler, and nothing's happening. And and, I, and I'm wondering if we'll look back on this year as the year that Gino went into decline. What do you think of that? Well, I, I obviously right now with how his year's going, I wouldn't say Gino's having a very good year. You know, I thought he had some ups for weeks, but he also had some downs. And for him to be your elite player, not too many elite players, your star players, have a down month you know when you know Gino's only have two goals since December 31st like that's a long time for your second line centerman to only score two goals um and I think he's a little bit in his own head I think you know it's it's something that a guy like him probably hasn't experienced in his career a guy like me i do this every month you know a guy like gino it's a different story you know he hasn't been in a drought like this or struggled like this probably in his whole career so he's probably going through a lot i think he's probably mentally a little bit drained from dealing with not knowing why he's not scoring i know you know everyone's saying it's his age and everything but when i look at the guy ahead of him with sid Sid doesn't really seem like his age is affecting him, and Sid's finding another way. You know, I, I, I would think Sid and Gino are having some pretty good talks of like just getting them back with the right mindset. Because I don't think, you know, like you said last night, I thought I, the first period, like he has the jump. You know, it's just 
for some reason, he's not driving or he's not taking that chance of making that extra move to the middle and snapping the puck. You know, he's staying on the outside and he's, again, I think he's playing a little safe for getting milk in hockey. Do you see Tyler over the last, I don't know, eight, seven, eight, ten games? Um, do you kind of starting, are we starting to see maybe what Eric Carlson could actually bring to this team? It looks, it seems like he's playing better. It seems like he's, he's, he's more engaged. He's scoring a little bit more. Have you, have you seen like a, in a, an improvement sort of not, not necessarily improvement in his play, but it seems like he's fitting a little better. Yeah, I, th- I think I am seeing a little bit more positivity, uh, like what I see offensively. But again, uh, for me, defense wins games. It wins championships. And I think he just has to even tighten it up even more. I know he's an offensive player. But a, when you look at the plus minus, they don't lie. And right now, I still would like to see him play better defense. He still has to provide that offense. But he needs to play better defense. But is he is he looking better? Is he looking more of a fit? Yeah, is it too late? Who knows? But it's almost getting there. All right, Tyler, when you look at the standings uh, in the Eastern Conference, man, Tampa Bay is, is still seems a little bit vulnerable. They just can't get it together. They won a couple. Now they've lost a couple again. The Penguins have five games in hand on them. Five. But they're eight points back. So who is most vulnerable in the playoff field? Flyers, Lightning, Wings. Which of those teams – could slip out, and who do you think could slip in? Well, hopefully the Penguins can slip in. Um, I I would think the Flyers would slip out. I just think Tampa has too much of a veteran presence. They know how to win to lose that many, to go on a losing streak at this time of year. I, I think they're going to probably hover how they're doing win a couple, lose a couple. Like, that's how they're going to probably finish out the year. But I think they have enough spread on teams like the Penguins that it's going to be hard for them to slip that much. Um, again, the the Flyers have been playing over their head, in my opinion, for how I thought they were going to do this year. Um, but, you know what, Tortorella is doing a great job. They, they figured out that they don't have that high-flying team and they play a real good team game and it seems to be working but these next two months month and a half you know I always feel like the better teams always win because everyone's grinding everyone's fighting for those two points and no one's having you know a surprise game or an off game you can say well I think the thing uh the thing is uh and obviously we've talked a lot about it Tyler is that the Penguins have about what six games left before the trade deadline. Is I mean, is Cal Dubas going to need all six of them to really kind of figure out what he needs to do? I mean, is is it is it really coming down to the wire like that? No, I don't think so. I think Dubas, like I think those GMs in any sport have a plan that they're probably sticking to. You know, again, if you don't see what the team is over the last how many games and you don't have a, a clear picture of like, Hey, this is the direction we have to go or this is let's we're, this is the plan we started with. This is what we're staying with. 
I, I, I don't think GMs are like that anymore. Like for him to say, oh, we, you know, how the team plays is determines where we're at. But again, it changes when you have guys like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang because they've won a lot of cups and they're on their backside of the career. And I think it would be hard for them to play as hard as they are if they start doing the rebuild right now, you know, and that's, again, I'm not sure. I I know they would stick around, but it would be a different feel if they were rebuilding and those guys were still on the team. Listen to this one, Tyler. We're talking to Tyler Kennedy. Uh, Frank Saravalli, who I think is very good, formerly of TSN, says that Riley Smith is drawing broader interest than Gensel. He says there are a lot of interested parties when it comes to Riley Smith. Gensel's a point-per-game player in four of the last five, Saravalli says, and is the premier impact forward available, but there seems to be more interest here in Riley Smith, and and that brings up a, a bigger question. He got benched last night. A lot of people look at Riley Smith and say he doesn't look like he w- really wants to be here. So what do you make of the whole Riley Smith situation as we head toward the deadline? Well, one, they're probably saying that over Gensel because Gensel's probably asking price is probably quite a bit. and I'm not sure how many teams can give up what the Penguins want for him. You know, and I think when you look around and you're hearing these rumblings from guys like Frank, you know, he's an easy target, a target that, you know, the Penguins might be willing to give up for not as much. And Riley's got a pretty good track record from winning the Stanley Cup to always producing over a long period of time. So he's a guy that might jump on the team and really solidify those last one or two parts that you're looking for from a championship team. Um, no, it's, I don't think he's playing that bad. I think, you know, I thought he started off real hot. I think it's been a tough winter for him in uh, Pittsburgh. But, uh, um, again, it, sometimes it takes longer than usual to get through a year with a new team. But to see to say he's losing interest playing for the Penguins, um, I, I don't agree with that. I, I just – Having being around Sidney Crosby and of getting Malkin and those guys, like I think it's a big attraction for a player just to say they've been around that type of person, you know. So for him to be like, I don't want to be here anymore, that would be tough for me to believe. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about it is, as we talked about yesterday, one of the biggest problems the Penguins have in terms of making deals, they have to deal players on the roster. They don't have a ton of prospects and don't have a ton of picks to give. So is it possible to, you know, reshape the roster a little bit by making a few hockey trades? Or is that really uh, uh, just kind of a di- too difficult of a thing to, to realistically pull off? I think it's too hard to pull off because, one, like you said, the depth in Wilkes-Barre, the first-rounders, they don't have much to deal that way and that just comes from trying to win for the last 10 years and having the team they've had um when you trade players on your team like you're not going to give a guy like riley smith up for a number one young player that has a future you know what i mean like 
it's hard to reshape your team one through the draft and two through trades. Like it, it's, it's a tough thing to really rebuild these days because it takes so long because you have to have so many guys develop at the same time. You need guys that are, you know, you take a chance and sign them to big deals and long-term when they're younger. So, um, yeah, it's tough to to reshape your team right now through a couple picks. You know, maybe you're adding. You know, if you've had it, if you have a team like we had in '09 and we just added three players, that's a different story because you're just feeling in three guys that are really going to help that team make a final push. But if you're the Penguins right now, where you're trying to find three guys, four guys that are trying to make a push to the to the playoffs. That's a different story. That's a completely different feel on making the playoffs and winning a championship. Tyler, we appreciate the time, man. Things should be really heating up by next Thursday. We'll talk to you, or next Friday. We'll talk to which I believe is the trade deadline, right? We'll talk to you then. Yeah, again, I I think it'll start happening here pretty soon. I, I think it's going to be an early, you know, it seems like it gets earlier every every year where the, the plays and the, the trade, sorry, are made earlier and then the last you know three hours there's a ton of them but the week before it seems like everyone's trying to get a little jump on everyone else and especially with Gensel I would think he's they're trying to make him make a decision here very soon appreciate it man we'll talk next week thanks guys that's Tyler Kennedy coming up Ray Fittipaldo he was at the combine in Indy did you see the little breaking news story no Andy Russell did Andy Russell died. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 82 years old. Just came across maybe 30 minutes ago. Great stealer. Yes. From the very early days. Oh, yeah. Sort of one of the first or the first I, guy volu- that was that was on those yeah, teams I that volu- Chuck Knoll kept. I volunteered a few years uh, to work his golf outing, his golf tournament yeah. at Neville, uh, Neville, uh, Nevillewood. And um, so I volunteered, you know, to, to, to work the tournament. And the one year after the, you know, the, 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 the dinner or whatever, a couple of people were like, hey, Phil wants to go out. He wants to go get something to drink, you know, but one, you know, a couple of you guys take him out there, you know, Phil Villapiano. Phil, Phil Villapiano. Yes. Like four of us and him. And a couple of the people that were with him, we went down to the, it was the Rhythm House. It's no longer there in Bridgeville. We went to the Rhythm House in Bridgeville. Listen, I never had so much fun in one night as I had that night. That guy was, and here's the best part about it. First of all, the dude is hilarious. He's every bit as funny as you think he is, or what, you know what I mean? But he was wearing his Raiders Super Bowl ring. It was amazing how many Steeler fans. Wanted pictures with him. He let Steeler fans like try on his ring. You know what I mean? And some of them were like, you know, we hated you as a player, but this is pretty cool that you're here partying with us. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was actually really cool. Like, there was not a single one of those dumb, drunk, yinzer idiots. And he was a vital piece on the wrong side right. of the Immaculate Reception. Exactly. You know what this song means? The great Ray Fittipaldo. Everybody loves Raymond. He's on the Sullivan Super Service fan hotline. That's clever. I like that. 
Everybody Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. And I know you like Ray Fittipaldo, don't you? Or do you? Yeah, of course I do. Everybody does. Nobody, Ray, nobody dislikes Ray. Where are you right now? You're still in Indy? You on your way back? What, what's happening? We are on our way back on uh, I-70 just past Cambridge, Ohio. So we've got about, uh, I don't know, two hours, two and a half hours to go before we get home. What was the most significant thing in your not-so-humble opinion that Omar Khan said yesterday? Uh, I think probably the quarterbacks. I think that's what everyone is still interested in um, at at this point. And I don't know that Omar said anything different than Art or Mike said after the season, but, you know, he certainly reiterated that they have, you know, full faith in Kenny. Give him every chance to succeed um, in 2024. And I also found it interesting that, um, you know, they really want Mason Rudolph back. We've heard that from the owner and from Mike as well. But now, you know, Omar said it as well. So um, I know it's kind of boring. I know people want them to sign Russell Wilson or, or Justin Fields or Kirk Cousins, but it looks like it's full speed ahead with, uh, with Kenny and, uh, you know, Mason uh, likely coming back if they can get a deal done. Wow. <laughs> you think likely is the word likely there? Likely is the word there? Well, I think, you know, the, the Steelers have reached out um, – uh, to his agent. So um, the ball is already rolling. You know, the legal tampering period isn't that far away. I think it's March 11th, you know, so that's less than two weeks away. So this news is going to start happening here. And, um, you know, if Mason is amenable to coming back, if they can agree on the numbers and he has assurances that, you know, he could have a role as potentially a starter if he beats out Kenny, then I, I think this is a great opportunity for Mason to, to, to be a starter. I don't know where else Mason Rudolph could go where he could compete for a starting job. And I think that that's what Mason wants at this point in his career. Now, listen, if somebody else comes out of the blue, maybe the Raiders, I don't know, maybe somebody offers him more money, then, yeah, he, he could certainly leave. But I kind of see the Steelers as his best option to be a starter given the circumstances. I, I think the biggest thing there is, uh, is there any concern, Ray, among the the Steelers brass that if you bring back Mason Rudolph, that means that you run the risk of maybe dividing your locker room. If Kenny Pickett falters yeah. and some guys still say, hey, we, what you know, look at what Mason Rudolph did at the end of the season, then what? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think if, if Kenny Pickett shrinks or wilts under competition like that or in the face of adversity, then they know right then that he's not the guy for the future. So I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a make or break season for Kenny in that regard. And I don't think the Steelers should be afraid of um, any kind of competition for him, and, you know, and whether it's, you know, within the locker room or on the practice field or, you know, anything like that. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll do what's best for this football team. They did what's best for this football team. Um, with a week to go in the regular season. You know, Kenny Pickett was healthy enough to return. Um, I think he thought he was going to return, but they stuck with a hot hand. So they, they did what was best for the Steelers football team then, and I think um, in the future if Mason Rudolph beats out Kenny Pickett um, or if Kenny Pickett has a bad start to the season, I don't think there would be any hesitation to go to Rudolph if he's on the roster in 24. Omar almost said, 
At least one interesting thing, Ray, before he cut himself off on uh, Deontay Johnson, when he said, as of right now, we're having con, and then he cut it off before he could say conversations. I'm not going to speak to individual negotiations for an individual player, but I have a lot of respect for Deontay. I was thinking that this would definitely be Deontay's last year if he didn't get traded in the offseason. Now, now it may appear as though he's going to be here for a while. It, it, do you think that they're having conversations along that road? You know, Joe, Joe, I don't get the sense that that's a front-burner issue right now. Um, maybe by the time training camp gets here, if they look at their roster and they still think they're very thin at receiver, then you know maybe they could do that. You know, Deontay is still relatively young. He probably has a few more good years in his prime. Um, so I think that's probably dependent on what happens in free agency and, you know, more than likely the draft. I think this is a very good draft for receivers. If you get a guy, uh, you know, probably not first round, but if you get a guy second, third round, maybe even the fourth round, and you think that guy can develop into a guy who can grow with George Pickens, then there wouldn't be that need to sign Deontay Johnson to a third contract. So I think his situation is likely going to be determined not now. I think it's more likely that, you know, we'll know what's going on, um, you know, on May 1st, whenever the draft is over. Well, I think the thing uh, beyond the quarterbacks, was there anything else that struck you about what Omar said? Yeah, Paul, I think they have to go get themselves an inside linebacker. Um, he has no idea, Omar does, of when Cole Holcomb is going to return. So what that tells me is um, it's probably not going to be for the start of the regular season. And you know, Cole was injured, I think, the first week of November. Um, so if that's a 12-month recovery, they need to find a starter for at least half the season and, and likely longer because you don't know how he's going to come back from that type of an injury. So, um, you know, they have their two down linebackers, and Mark Robinson, Andy Landon Roberts. Roberts is excellent in that role. So to me, you got to go out and get yourself a three-down linebacker and, you know, somebody that could uh, – come in and be a starter the way Cole Holcomb was last year before he got injured. All right, Ray, you just spent the week at Indy. I wanted you to tell us maybe the two most interesting things that you saw all week long. You know, for me, Joe, um, I'll give you three. I'll give you three positions because I really think this is the way the Steelers are going to end up approaching this draft. I, I think it's center, offensive tackles, and it's cornerbacks. And the cornerbacks are working out today. Uh, Nate Wiggins from Clemson ran a 4-2-7 in his trading in the ramp up to the combine. He's one of the top two or three corners in this draft. But, you know, you could, I could see them go an offensive tackle. Um, at pick number 20, there are a plethora of good possibilities who could be right tackles. And that's another thing. I failed to mention the Broderick Jones thing. It seems like Omar is pretty intent on finding him a home on the left side sooner rather than later. So this would be a great opportunity to, to get a to get a right tackle in this draft. It's a very deep draft and also a very good center draft as well. So, you know, obviously they can't address every position of need, but I think in the first round it's going to be one of those three positions. Well, I – uh, I was uh, I was going to say with respect to now he said Broderick Jones is a left tackle. Does that happen this year? Well, here's the thing, Paul. He it's a four year rookie contract, and 
if Roderick is coming along fine, they'll pick up the fifth-year option. Um, but why would you waste the first two years of his career playing him out of position when they drafted him to be your blindside protector? So um, he's not a finished product. So to me, you get him where he's most comfortable, the position he's played all his life, and you you you, um, you put him there as soon as possible. So um, I, I know people aren't talking about this a lot because, because people haven't seen him since training camp, but I think they could easily slide Broderick over to left and they could have a competition on the right side between Dan Moore and Spencer Anderson. He was the seventh-round pick last year out of Maryland, was on the 53-man roster all season, played really well in training camp, and I think people kind of forgot about him, but I think he would be a possibility at right tackle if they don't uh, find a right tackle in the first or the second round. Ray Fittipaldo on the Sullivan Super Service fan hotline. So two questions here. One, tell us more about uh, Nate Wiggins because he's very interesting to me to be able to pair him with Joey Porter Jr. And then uh, the center you wrote about, Jackson Powers Johnson – it seems, and you never know if these things are real, but it seems like he's getting a lot of interest, momentum. Uh, do you think he would even be around at 20? Yeah, I mean, Joe, if you look at the history of centers going in the first round, typically the highest you would see one picked is like number 18. I think that's where the Steelers picked Pouncey. You're hard-pressed to go back 20 years and find anyone who was drafted higher than that as a center. So, it's going to be in that range. Um, but there are a couple of teams before the Steelers. I think Jacksonville is one that also needs a center. So it could happen before number 20. So I think it's kind of iffy right now um, if, if Jackson Powers Johnson will be there. But he's a really good player. Um, he can hold a line of scrimmage. He's a big guy. But he's also athletic enough to be, um, you know, more than solid in pass protection too. So, um, I definitely think there's there's growing momentum for him. And as far as Wiggins goes, in, in addition to the, the the 40 time, which I think he's probably going to run close to a 4-3 today or 4-3 and change, he's only 20 years old. He went to Clemson as a 17-year-old. So this is a guy who has a lot of upside, a lot of big potential. Um, he's going to be an even better player in the future than he is now. So. Um, you know, there's a bunch of corners, but, uh, you know, Wiggins is certainly one to keep an eye on here in the coming weeks as, as the draft approaches. The thing about it, uh, we talked about this yesterday with Joe. Um, right. Do you think center is a position you need to address in the draft, or would you rather have a, a veteran guy like a free agent? Uh, I don't even know what's out there. We looked at the market. It didn't look like there was a ton of guys out there, but – uh, do you think an older veteran guy, given where the Steelers are and what they need at that position? You know, Omar mentioned Nate Herbig three times yesterday when he when he was talking to us because you know he was getting a lot of center questions and he kept bringing up Nate Herbig's name. And Herbig is under contract for one more year for four million dollars. It's not a cheap contract, so I think they have confidence that if they don't get a guy in free agency or maybe the draft or high in the draft, I think they feel comfortable enough with Nate that he can hold that down for a season or maybe a half a season until a rookie um, is ready there. You're right about the, the free agency class. I think Lloyd Cushenberry from Denver is out there. I don't know how much better he would be than Mason Cole. Um, and you're always taking a chance when you sign 
somebody from the outside that you don't know. I think it's a much safer um, approach to go with somebody that you do know who's been in your system for a while. So I definitely think they're going to draft a center this year. I just don't know it's going to be the first round, second round, third third round. If you you draft a center in the third round, um, it's not a slam dunk. Look what happened with Kenny Green. He didn't work out. So unless you get that guy in the first round, I don't know that you're going to get a plug-and-play starter, a guy who's going to be ready week one this year. It's 11:22. Time to stop blindly paying those increasing auto and home insurance premiums. Contact the Buell Insurance Agency in Gibsonia and see what they can do for you. And fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Ray, may I engage you in a game of free association? Yeah, let's do it. This is Paul's first experience with this. Do we all miss Ron? Can we agree on that? We miss Ron. We do. We do. Do you like Paul? Okay, I'm just checking. Here we go. I'm just checking. You ready? Right. Najee gets the fifth-year option. Yes. Broderick Jones does move to left tackle for next season. Yes. Who's the Steelers' first-round pick? I'm going to go – oh, boy. I'm going to go Troy Fatanal, a tackle guard from – University of Washington. If not Mason, who's the other quarterback? Ryan Tannehill. Oh, boy. Omar <laughs> Omar complimented Allen Robinson and said, look what he did for the run game. What becomes of Allen Robinson? He's going to be cut. Okay. I guess he didn't do that much for the run game. What becomes of Pat Pete? I think he's going to be cut, too. Gunner returns, yes or no? No. Cam, <laughs> Cam <laughs> <laughs> Cam Hayward gets a new deal, a pay cut. What's going to happen with him? Yeah, they want him back, but um, it'll be some kind of a new deal, Joe. I don't know if it'll be an extension or if it'll be a straight pay cut, but he's definitely coming back. Omar said that yesterday. Kenny Pickett is the game one starter in 2025. Um, oh, boy. Uh, that's impossible. I, I'll say... I'll say no. Thank you, Ray. And tell Jerry but, to stop making fun of my golf game. But we didn't ask the <laughs> obligatory question, Ray. Did you have what? the Did you have the uh, sh- uh, uh, shrimp cocktail at uh, St. Elmo's this they, week? They were passing it out in the media room. I did not get down there Monday night. Jerry did have the steak and the shrimp. So, yes. What a Jerry, fa- Jerry got it, but I didn't have a chance. You didn't have a chance. What a fantastic meal you get there. Mm. It's thank awesome. you, Ray. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you. Uh, have you ever covered the combine? No, thank have God. You ever, have you ever been to Indianapolis? Oh yeah, have for you, the, uh, the the Bettis fumble game. Have you ever Have you ever eaten at St. Elmo's, the steakhouse there? The no. famous steakhouse. No, we didn't go there. You know, the, the one day I I was there, I ate with uh, at the bar uh, one Neil O'Donnell. Really? Yes. <laughs> it was like his. I was there with. Did the, you already know him? Well, we. I mean, we started talking about, you know, hey, uh, but, but his, it was like his high school basketball coach was in the group that I was with. There was like three or four of us. And they were texting each other, I guess. And the next thing you know, Neil and like three other guys come and join us. And that was another night where the entire night we went there, then we went to this other bar, then we went to this other bar. And uh, I got to, I, I, I got to, 
I thought he was a really cool dude. We had fun. We talked. We laughed. But it was like his high school basketball coach. But anyway, have you ever eaten at St. Elmo's? No, but I'm more interested in the Neil O'Donnell story. Uh, did the it, interceptions ever come yeah, up? Yeah. They did? Yeah. What did he say? He basically said that, uh, that they ran the wrong route on the one. and. <laughs> That he, you know, what I mean, he says I wouldn't, I wasn't ever going to say that publicly, but you know, he, yeah, we 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 had a route, and he's like, man, if, if he runs the right route, it's probably a touchdown. We probably win the game, you know. He said, man, it's what it is, you know. He goes, you've had some incredible nights on the town, yeah, haven't you? So yeah, so so the thing about it was he was he was funny. Yeah, he was I always engaging. Liked him. Yeah. He was really really, but you're a guy. Do you like shrimp cocktail? Yes, that's like the world. I, I'm allergic to shrimp, so I've, I I can't eat it, but. It's like the world's like. People say it's the best shrimp cocktail. You can't like it's like that's it's a steakhouse where the steak is incredible, but it's known for its shrimp cocktail. Are they in Indy again next year? I think they might be. Yeah, it's the in Steelers. Indianapolis. I mean, I, we, we go there every year for AAU. That's why. And, and, Maybe I'll ask to cover that one. Yeah. All right, Paul. Coming up next, Mike Florio was on with the afternoon guys yesterday and had an eye-opening quote on George Pickens. I'll tell you what he said. Then we'll get into a little bit of this Omar Khan. I mean, I don't want to make people suffer through the whole thing because he really went to great pains to say nothing. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll comment on a couple of the things he said and the one thing he cut himself off from saying. Uh, the fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. And that's very important today that you text us at 412 412- Nine two eight ninety three seventy. Uh, I've gotten a lot of complimentary texts today, Paul. There's one guy in particular that absolutely loves me that keeps texting the show. So keep them coming. Nine two eight ninety three seventy. And at the end of the show, Mister T here will have texts in the city with the best hot takes from the day. We have Mike DeFabo also coming on. Uh, he was at the Combine in Indy. We'll get his thoughts and match them up with Ray's. Fan Hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Tuesday, March 26th is the Giant Eagle Feed the Need Radiothon to benefit the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. You can donate now at 937thefan.com or text NEED, N-E-E-D, to 50155. Brought to you by Dollar Bank. Pittsburgh Regional Transit, Wiggle Whiskey, Hampton Beer Outlet, Bill Few Associates Wealth Management, and Spitzer Toyota. Last year, two million more meals were provided because of the increased need. Talked earlier about the news that Andy Russell passed away at age 82. And Paul, one of the things that comes to mind, uh, you spoke of... um, interacting with him a couple different times. But, man, on another franchise, this guy's maybe one of the two or three best defensive players they ever had. With with He was a seven-time Pro Bowl yeah. selection. Seven times. First team All-Pro in 75, two Super Bowls, and he was a team captain here for 10 years. Like, like – but but with all the people around him on those defenses, you may forget how good he was. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I mean. That That's the toughest thing about the, all of those Steeler guys from those 70s teams. There were so many of them. A guy like him probably gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Just because when you – I mean, seriously, when you talk about the greatest players from the Steelers in the 70s, 
there's about five or six names that always come up, right? Bradshaw, Franco, Joe Green, uh, Ham, Lambert, Blunt, and Blunt. Did you mention Webster? Then Webster, Swan, you know, what I mean, Stallworth, Swan, Stallworth. I mean, I, I mean, Blyer, Rocky Blyer is a, as big as any as far right. as the, the hero he was. And at the end of the day, and and then I would say probably you would even mention Elsie Greenwood before, and Dwight White before right. Andy Russell. Yeah, and it's like, wait a minute. He was great. This guy, if he played, you're right. If he, he, put it this way, even if he played in the eight, like if he played most of his the margin of his career where he was like in his prime in the mid to late 80s, he would be considered an all-time player for the Steelers. Like, he is an all-time player for the Steelers, but he would, you know what I mean? He- yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm reading uh, the Post-Gazette's story on him today, and listen to this. He missed the 64-65 seasons after his rookie year to serve in the Army and f- fulfill his ROTC commitments, being deployed to Germany as a lieutenant in the U.S. Army. Graduated with a uh, Bachelor in Science and MBA in Economics from Missouri. This was a fascinating guy. Yeah. He w- he won uh, awards for his charity work here. The Andy Russell Charitable Foundation was named Big Brothers and Sisters Man of the Year in 1989. And then check this out on the field. December 27th against the Colts, 1975 at Three River Stadium. He set the NFL playoff record for longest returned touchdown from scrimmage, 93 yards. That stood until last year. 93-yard return in a playoff game. So, really an interesting and and seemingly – I only interacted with him on the phone a couple times, but just seemed like a really classy, good guy. Well, I I would tell you he was a a class act. Like I said, I I I volunteered – uh, at his golf outing a number of times. Yeah. And um, so I got to know him a little bit. I, I always thought he was tr- a really good, really good dude. I thought for the biggest thing with him was um, just sort of how classy he is and was. There's and, some great pictures to accompany the story of him with the with, with other 70s Steelers. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing about it is, you know, those guys, they, a lot of times they, they – uh, they they obviously get their travel paid for and everything else to come to those things, but they get invited to so many of those things. The fact that the crowd was always so huge, and I'm talking about the the you know the celebrities, the chair, you know the celebrities yeah. that would come in. The fact that there were so many people you know that wanted to be a part of that said a whole lot about who he was too. I'll say. You so, know what I mean? R.I.P. Uh, Andy Russell, a Steeler great, is exactly what he was, and a community great. Now to these Steelers, Paul. What of anything that Omar Khan said yesterday interested you? Let's talk about some of that. We don't even really need to hear the clips. I mean, we can just reference them. And I know, Jolie, you put some work into that, and I apologize. But the more (laughs) I heard, you couldn't hear the questions. And, you know, I mean, it's not the most riveting stuff in the world. Let's it go never over. Is. Let's go over some of these. Uh, the Deontay Johnson thing. Would you sign him to a long-term deal? That, I would that's, not. Me neither. I don't know why. I, I I don't know why they would either. Would it be to cut his cap hit for this year? Well, wh- why would you do that? Why would you do that anyway? Because the cap is thirty million dollars more than it was supposed to be. There's no reason to do that. 
he's semi-productive, I thought. He he got better as the year went along. Maybe he was a victim, too, of the ridiculously elementary offense. And bad quarterback. Yeah. But, but, but I think the other part of it is when we look – when I look at Deontay Johnson and I look at his salary, the two don't match. I think he's You're getting, right. It was a bad contract. I think he's getting paid like a number two – or a one A tight, you know, or you know, the number two or a one B kind of receiver. I think he's more like a two B, three A kind of receiver. And so, I think if you're going to sign him to a long term deal, it it better be something that is way less than he's making now. Because to me, I hate to say it this way, but he's sort of just a guy. I think you can kind of find somebody that does what Deontay Johnson does. You know, I think you could draft somebody that can do what Deontay Johnson does. Well, yes, everybody seems to. Wide receivers are found everywhere in the draft. He was an example, by the way. Mm-hmm. But but then when they, you have to start to, to spend $18 million, go find somebody else, you know? So one more year, I think, would do it for me with Deontay. And I'd actually, uh, as I've said many times here, wouldn't be opposed to looking to trade him in the offseason. And there's lots of plans. There's lots of people who can play that position. All right. So another thing was Broderick Jones moving to left tackle. I'm reading here that left tackles still make more than right tackles, although right tackle salaries have increased dramatically. I'm reading this on hogshaven.com. I don't know why, but I am. (laughs) And here's an interesting little thing that – This person writes, and I agree, that the distinction between left tackle and right tackle anymore, Paul, is far less than what it was because you have edge rushers on both sides of the line. Uh, You have guys moving around. They want to get to the side with the weaker blocker. Right. And that used to be all the time the right guy. It's not. T.J. Watt plays. He comes from the left side, which means against the right tackle all the time. So my question for you is, does it really matter in the end whether Broderick it's Jones plays your, left or right? It's still your blind side. That's a big part of it. It's still the quarterback's blind side. Yeah. But I think the other part of it is Broderick Jones apparently is better on the left side. That's his better position. It's more natural, better position for him. Yes. And I think that matters. So, if you you know, you, again, you moved up 10 spots to get the guy. That means that you have big plans for him. That means you want him to be a part of whatever it is you're doing going forward. You move him to left. If they don't move him to left tackle this year, it's stupid. Because at the end of the day, if that's his best position, why are you playing him in his second best position? I agree with that, but I I guess I would have to see more proof. He looked pretty good on the right side to me. He looked looked pretty good. He looked good as a road grader for sure. Because – Right. As I and, and but here might be the biggest key of all. And those were all very worthwhile points you just made. Is that Broderick Jones is going to want to play the left side because the average salary according to this story for a left tackle, the highly paid ones, the top 10 ones is 16.3 million. The top 10 right tackles, it's 9.2. We're talking Seven million a year for the top ten guys on each side. 
So the NFL still values that left side right. more. And if I'm Broderick Jones, of course, I want to play that side. You want unless play- you're unless you want to pay me like a left tackle, get me over there. That and again, I think part of it is because even though there are edge rushers on both sides and teams do a lot of different things to stunt and game and all the other crap and move guys around, at the end of the day, you're still protecting the blind side of the quarterback. Here's Unless the, you've got a lefty. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. How Here, many how many lefties are really in Two is the only one in the league. Yeah. I just looked at that for some odd reason for a mailbag thing. But so he, you, here's the thing. In this particular situation, Dan Moore hates the right side and can't really play it. So what do you do? Like in, in the Steelers have a predicament here. What do, what do you do then at right tackle? I would tackle? say you put Dan Moore as your swing tackle and go get a right tackle. We've talked about that. I agree you with that. I mean? That's what you, you make Dan Moore the swing tackle. You go get a right tackle. You go get a center. Those are two spots you absolutely need to get to get better, yeah. uh, better at. And you need to, you know, add. So, you know, we talk about additions. Right tackle, center, they definitely need a receiver, corner, as you said, inside linebacker. Those are, you know, positions right there. You go out and fill those positions, I almost don't even care what you do everywhere else. I agree. And for the quarterback stuff, there's nothing new. They're very careful with their wording. We have a lot of faith in Kenny. Okay. We want Mason. Okay. Uh, Ray termed it likely. That Mason Rudolph would be here. Yeah, that's not that did that did not make uh, make me feel very good. If you were advising Mason, and you had two deals on the table, and one was worth a couple million dollars more somewhere else, but you'd only be a back like you're behind, pick a guy, Josh Allen. You're behind Josh Allen, but you get a couple million more. Would you take that deal, or would you tell Mason? I don't care what they're paying you in Pittsburgh. You can be the starter there, and that might mean more to you financially down the road. Go to a place where you can start, and Pittsburgh might be your best spot. What would you tell them? Take the money or go back to Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, if you look at if you look at like a guy like Charlie Batch, I mean, he played, what, 15 years, something like that? Yeah. And he was a starter for what his first four or five or whatever it was in Detroit or two or three or whatever it was in Detroit. So, if I'm the agent, I say you've got two choices: you can gamble, go take the Pittsburgh contract, we'll make it a one-year deal or a two-year deal, or we you go to a place like Buffalo, they're going to give you a couple million dollars more. You might only have to play once in three years. Mm-hmm. And guess what? <laughs> I know, but you can keep signing contracts right forever, forever. But I think if I were advising him, it, it would be like, "This is it, man. You, you just showed the league right. that you, that there's something you there. Know, I, this is your chance if I, you're ever going to be a starter." If I were advising him, I would ask him, "What does he want?" Yeah, well, I'm sure he wants to start. And if he wants to start, then you say, "Listen, you got to sign him with Pittsburgh and go out there and give everything you got. You're probably not going to win the starting job, no matter what you do in training camp." But we'd be ready because your number's probably going to get called. And that that's the thing that really interests me here. And I've seen Jerry Dulac write about this, is is sort of indicating that Rudolph won't come back here unless he's sure there will be a training camp competition. I'll tell him. Forget about Mike Tomlin yeah. or his agent or anybody else. Mason, if you're listening, there's not going to be a competition in training camp. Kenny's going to start. But that doesn't mean that this is the worst place for you because you know 
how vulnerable Kenny is. And you know that Mike Tomlin's already proved he'll bench and bury Kenny and play you. There's not going to be a competition, though. No. Forget about that. He's not going to get that. They might tell him there is. There isn't going to be one. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I would agree. Absolutely. There isn't going to be a competition. I th- I'll tell you what I would tell you this. That, um, if you were Kenny Pickett's agent, okay, let's get, let me give you a scenario. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the best, like, example of this. I, let's say Carolina. I know Bryce Young was okay last year, but he wasn't great. Yeah. Mason, Carolina wants to bring you in to compete. Obviously, it's Bryce Young is kind of their guy, but they want to make sure that their quarterback is so, so you're, you're going to have some odds to overcome, but there's an opportunity there for you that you could you possibly could be the starter there or at some point in the season become the starter. Yeah, that would interest me if so, I was Mason. So, maybe not Carolina because Bryce Young was the first overall pick, but – you understand Raiders, what I'm t- Falcons. Yeah, one of those teams like that. Yes. Yes, it would. Yeah. That would interest me greatly. Any place where there's a vulnerable starter would interest me. Right. That's what I mean. Like- uh, but, but and, and pretty soon, as I get to 30 and maybe this doesn't work, then I'm interested in, in your plan, you know, where I can be Charlie Batch. I'll go, I'll go back up Josh Allen for the next 10 years. I- That's a great job. But right now – I, I'm, I still hold out that little hope that I can be a guy in the league. How about Mason? Two teams that are really interested in having you. We, Minnesota and the Jets. Because both have 30-something-year-old quarterbacks coming off major injuries, and they're not sure. Coming off torn Cabales. Yeah, yeah torn Cabales, yeah. Uh, they're not sure. They're just not sure what, you know, if their health is going to be. If it, w- Would either of those situations interest you? Yeah, because I, I would I would put those two under the umbrella of vulnerable starters because right. of age and injury. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Jolie, do we have uh, Florio on Pickens? I promise that. I need to pay off this tease. We have Mike DeFabo coming up, top of the hour. He was at Indy uh, for all pretty much most of this week, so we want some insight from him. Let's hear Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, Paul, on with the PM guys talking about George Pickens. As much as I love George Pickens and I'm a big George Pickens supporter, I picked up some stuff on how he's viewed by high-level executives with other teams, and it's not good. It's not good. The returns on George Pickens, at least as it relates to his reputation, among others who might have scouted him when he was coming out of Georgia and did homework on him then, it's, it's just not good, and people aren't surprised that Mike Tomlin's having, having challenges keeping him under control. Wow. Um, do people think that that – are those same people thinking that eventually this is going to be a situation that just comes to a head and, and sort of blows up with Pickens then? Well, it didn't go that far. I was – I mean, I obviously I can't – I can't tell you who I was talking to because then nobody will talk to me. But these are two names that anybody who follows the NFL would instantly recognize. And as soon as his name came up, it was just like, mm, 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 mm. so, uh, and I was shaking my head as I was making those unintelligible sounds. No, 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 no. So I, I think they're not surprised by what's happened so far. And they don't think that it's going to end well for Pickens in Pittsburgh or, you know, that it's going to end well for him anyway. And it's a shame 
because he is a special talent. And I hope if there's any maturing that needs to be done, he'll, just like Art Rooney, look in the mirror and do what you have to do to change the way you're viewed to try to get more out of your NFL career. Wow, <laughs> is what I would say to that. People not surprised that Tomlin's having challenges and uh, that at some point this whole thing could blow up. What are your thoughts on that? Um, Isn't that what we've all kind of guessed was going on behind the scenes? I mean... Yeah, not, and in front of the scenes. Nothing, that, nothing he said right there, nothing at all he said could possibly surprise you or shock you or come off as, wow, I didn't really think that because Pickens outwardly has been a bit of a problem at times. So I would imagine behind the scenes he's a nightmare to deal with at times. The, the thing about it is, and this is where I, you know I would be careful, is that Mike Tomlin is pretty good at handling those kinds of situations. As we saw with Antonio Brown, you know, when Antonio Brown went elsewhere, what happened? It, it really blew up. So Mike Tomlin actually from getting six or seven years out of Antonio Brown like he did, right? I mean, I think he's going to be able to handle George Pickens, really. So the big thing with me about George Pickens, my issue isn't, the immature stuff and some of the other silly stuff. My issue is that he's not consistent enough to be a number one receiver. He's, he had some big games. He had some games where he didn't show up. He had, you know, then he had some controversy uh, be, just because, you know, he doing quit. some things that he quit and he quit on you know, a play or whatever and all the other stuff. I just think this is year three now, right? Coming up, is this year three? He's yeah. not a rookie. Yeah. He's not a second-year guy anymore. This has to be the year where – he becomes that guy every weekend. I have and a lot. I, I've got a, a lot he, of thoughts on this. Well, well, my thing is, if he does become that guy, I don't care if behind the scenes he's a knucklehead. I know. So two thoughts spring to mind immediately. One, he never really seemed to acknowledge that any that he had done anything wrong, and that bothers me. And this is absolutely and very clearly. A potential issue moving forward, George Pickens. There's no question about that. But, and it's a big but, I think some of these people that are talking to Florio and I think some of the people around the league are kicking themselves for not drafting George Pickens. And I think this is a little sour grapes. You go back and look at that draft. He's, right. he's fourth in catches. He's second in yards from that draft. There were a lot of guys taken ahead of him. I mean, you look at Tennessee, took Trey Burks as a receiver <laughs> with an early pick, and he's got nine touchdowns. Like, he's right up there with with Alave and, and Garrett Wilson and, you know, some of the better receivers from – that was a big receiver draft. And Pickens has been operating in an offense where the quarterbacking hasn't been great, and the, and the passing game was on the level of, 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 of an elementary school, what they run there. So put him in a – and I'm not sure that Arthur Smith is going to employ this, but give this guy a real pass. I, th I think they've ignored him at times. I agree. And, and so potential problem, yes. But potential star who's already productive, who's won them some games, yes. And did people miss on him? They sure did. People missed on him. Well, of course. I, I don't even – I mean, I, my thing, did they miss on him or did they – pass on them because of some of the off-the-field headaches that they were afraid they were going to have to deal with. I think if you ask them today, 
these guys that are talking well, to Florio. Hey, you were right. He can be a little bit of a headache, but you know what? He's been productive, and he looks like he's getting better. Well, he's won some games. Again, Do you wish you had picked him? I bet I bet you give him truth serum. They say yes. Isn't it amazing though? He came out of his shell and was that guy when Mason Rudolph became the quarterback, right? And that's what I talked about with Ray Fittipaldo. Aren't they concerned about bringing back Mason Rudolph? Like, he's a classic example. What's going to happen the first couple of weeks if Kenny Pickett is <laughs> exactly. down, down the field to him, if yes. he's missing him on a couple of passes, right. if he's not targeted enough, if you know he's open and not getting the ball? What is going to happen in that locker room with this guy? And forget about the locker room, in the media. You know, I, I mean, and, and, and there will be other people in the locker room who will feel the same way. That's why if you don't bring Mason Rudolph back, if you bring in Ryan Tannehill, you have a much better chance of everybody in the locker room is going to rally around Kenny yeah. no matter what happens. And even if he has a couple of bad weeks early on, they're going to continue to, you know I mean, because they know that. I'm just saying I can see the potential for bringing Mason Rudolph in, why that could be a problem. George Pickens has more touchdowns than Garrett Wilson, who was chosen 10th. Pickens was chosen 52nd. He's got more yards and touchdowns than Drake London, who was chosen 8th. Then Christian Watson, who was chosen 34th. Then Traylon Burks. Tennessee took that dude 18th. Are you kidding me, Paul? They took him 18th. (laughs) So it's going to be a fascinating story to monitor, I'll tell you that. But I tend to think a lot of the receiver is just a position that we've seen some problematic, uh, you know, personalities at that position. We just have over the years. They want the ball. So I think a lot of people are angry at themselves for not taking that chance. Do you know how close Kansas City came to getting George Pickens? If they were going to take him, they took Sky Moore. All right, Paul. Let's go back out to the Sullivan Super Service fan hotline, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years, where we find our friend and yours, Dr. Michael DeFaba. He was in Indianapolis, I think, pretty much all of this week. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, yes. I was in Indianapolis all of this week, and right now I'm in the parking lot of a random rest stop in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, but happy to be talking football. (laughs) Did you tell Paul that when you came in last Friday, the topic of the day was Ask Cleaners? (laughs) I've told more than just Paul. I've told everybody that I know that that was the main topic of conversation. I thought, you know, Joe would want to have me in. I covered the Penguins for three years. I know the NHL. I cover the Steelers now, but what do we want to talk about but cleaning your ass? Did you ever hear of a bidet, Paul? I did not. I th- I have not. I'm sorry. Neither had I about five years ago when Mulsey explained to me. I thought it was people who did this. There's an actual machine where when you <laughs> Paul's looking at me in a way that's making me laugh. There's a machine that that how do how do you explain it, Mike? Well, I'm not an expert in this matter. I've never used one, but it's very different than what you initially described, which was people squirting water at you like a firing squad with super soakers, <laughs> which is very different than what I think it is. It's just a, an apparatus that goes on your, your toilet and is very popular in Europe. Yeah. Go, they, it, don't it, have like, they don't have good plumbing there, so they can't flush toilet paper down. It attaches to your toilet, Paul, in Europe, and it just blasts away and cleans you. 
It's called so a bidet. To, so you don't use toilet paper? Is that what right. You? Okay. Would you consider buying one? No. Uh, that, that would be terrible. Mike? No, I'm really not interested in something like that. That's not my style. <laughs> then let's get to the combine, shall we? <laughs> Please. The single... <laughs> Please. I love it. The single most interesting person you talked to, thing you saw, what were you, you came home with one story. What would it be from the combine? Boy, that's a good question. Well, continuing the nonsense portion of this conversation, the most interesting thing to me is that you would think that the combine is a very serious event. But, but what happens is there's a place called Prime 47. And 360 days out of the year, it's a steakhouse. Five days out of the year for the combine, they rip the tables out of it, and it turns into essentially a college-like bar scene, and they keep the place open, like, at all hours. And when I say at all hours, I left at 3.30 in the morning, and the place was still packed. So it, it, the combine is, in a sense, like spring break for the NFL. And um, these, these coaches, they have a good time. There's no question about that. That is true. They do have a good time. Uh, but I think it was – who was it that we had on the other day that was saying a lot of head coaches, uh, don't, they don't even come to it anymore. Right. Teams really feel differently about this. Um, you know, first of all, these metrics, 40-yard dash time, you know, 225-pound bench, bench press, there, there's some question what they really mean and if they matter. Um, and so uh, – and the other part of it – is that coaches feel like they could sit at home and grind film, and that's much more revealing. What is valuable is the interview portion for the coaches, where you get an opportunity you know, to look these guys in the eye, ask them tough questions, see how they respond. And I think that that's the most valuable part for them. And, and you can – you know, these, these coaches, they end up talking to practically everybody in the first three rounds at some point. But one thing that stuck out was that – the Steelers certainly are doing their due diligence when it comes to the top corners. And in corner, I think that in the first round, I think corner or offensive line is the most likely scenario, given the value and given the need. Uh, I think that the Steelers and the Steelers are doing their due diligence. They, we talked to the corners, and just about every one of the ones who would be in the Steelers' range said they've had a formal interview with them. Mike, it seems like this S2 cognition test, I guess it used to be called the Wonderlick, but this is an entirely different kind of test. But that seemed to become a, a hotter topic this year because last year somebody leaked the fact that C.J. Stroud didn't do too well on it. And then he became, well, what we saw, just not only a great player, but obviously a highly intelligent quarterback. What was the word about this test this year? Are, are, are players refusing to take it? Just sort of a general overview of that S2 cognition test. Yeah, well, I know a little bit about this because not only is there the S2 cognition test, but there's also something called the AIQ. And I talked to the founder of that last year for a story. And, and really the, the way he explained it was we have all these measurements, height, weight, you know, 40-yard dash, things of that nature – is there a way to quantify your athletic aptitude and intelligence and processing speed? And, and actually, T.J. Watt aced it. He had, like, one of the best scores that they had ever logged at AIQ. Um, but I, I, think, I think, obviously, C.J. Stroud and, and the way that he burst onto the scene is, and is looking like a legit quarterback who can take a team to the playoffs and win a playoff game is, is undermining some of this. And I, I think the, 
the takeaway here is all of these data points are just that. And, and you have to approach all of them as just one piece of the story. And, and I think that more information is never a bad thing. The more you can know about a person, uh, the better informed decision you can make. But none of these things, uh, whether it be a traditional statistic or whether it be a new test, are going to be the end-all, be-all. Well, I think the thing is, um, could you foresee a, a, a point in time when the uh, combine becomes almost irrelevant? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, we'll, we'll further to that point that I was making before. The other interesting thing about the AIQ is if there are teams that subscribe to this, you also get the information of guys who've tested during, you know, during their pre-draft process that you're going against. So, for example, what they were saying is, like, if you know a defensive back is, is supposedly deficient in his processing speed, um, you can then call certain type of plays or certain type of things. So some players may be reluctant to do it. Um, but also there's just so much tradition around the combine. Um, you know, the, the, the Colts GM, Chris Ballard, was asked about Marvin Harrison Jr. and the fact that he basically skipped this whole thing. And his answer was pretty good. He said, someone said, well, do you think other people might use that as a blueprint? And he said, well, they're not Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and so I think for the top, top guys, like you're seeing with some of these top quarterbacks, they would rather work out in um, a more controlled environment where they can control what they're being tested on and, and how they're organizing and scripting their throws and things of that nature. So I do think that it will continue to trend that direction where there will be less and less emphasis on the actual combine. Mike DeFabo of The Athletic. He's on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. He was at the Combine in Indy. I saw where the kid from Penn State ran an incredible 40. What was the most uh, freakish athletic feat you saw all weekend or just the, the, the most freakish athlete? Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some really good athletes. I, I wrote a story at The Athletic about Chris Jenkins, and he's a defensive lineman. Uh, his father played in the league was an all-pro. His uncle played in the league. So you know the Steelers' history and how much they like NFL bloodlines. Um, this guy also, our Bruce Feldman at The Athletic, he puts out a list he calls the Freaks List. And um, so this guy, Chris, Jen <clears throat> Chris Jenkins, um, you know, he, he was like top of the charts in all of the measurables, and he tested very well at the Combine. He's an interesting guy. My favorite story, though, was uh, Taron Arnold, the corner from Alabama he was asked about his mindset playing corner and he said his grandfather was a roofer and he said it's very similar where if you don't have confidence up there on that roof you're going to fall off and he's like it's the same thing playing corner where you're out there on that island and if, if you don't trust your skills and your ability you know that's how you're going to get beat so there's some like funny moments that come out of the combine and and that's kind of the the biggest thing is like these little nuggets are, are, are kind of interesting well, I think, you know, obviously, uh, to bring it uh, closer to home, um, it, were there some guys there that you feel like will be on the board that could actually be in the wheelhouse for the Steelers when they draft? Yeah, you know, going back to our conversation about defensive backs, um, Cooper DeGene is interesting. Um, he's been a guy, he's, he's from Iowa. Uh, he said that he came from a small town of just 900 people. And uh, he he's interesting because... He's a corner, but there's some positional versatility. He can play inside. He might move to safety. 
Uh, he's been a popular player to mock to the Steelers. I think that he's, he's a name definitely to keep an eye on. Uh, Nate Wiggins from Clemson is another corner, and uh, his testing numbers will be important because there was speculation he was slow and he'd run in the four fives, but he says he thinks he's going to run much faster than that. Um, so, so he's another guy to keep an eye on. And uh, the center class is also, I think, is, is one to watch. You know, the Steelers obviously cut Mason Cole. That's a position of need right now for them. And this may be one of the best drafts if you're looking for a center. At the top of the draft, you've got the guy from Oregon, the Remington Award winner, uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, who has a perfect football name, um, which makes him rise up my draft board. He could be available at number 20. And then the other guy really to watch is Zach Frazier from WVU. He grew up right in the Steelers' backyard, and they're very familiar with him. I've heard from people around the league the Steelers are interested in a guy like him. Um, and, and he could either be a late first-round pick or second-round pick. Uh, if the Steelers get him in the second round, I think that that would be a fantastic a combination of value and need. Mike, I just realized I'm way more interested in what happened off the field. So who was in the bar at 3 a.m.? Any coaches we know, and what were you doing, and what was the night like, and would Paul have fit in there? I imagine he would have. Paul would have fit in well, and when you asked me what the most impressive feat was, I almost tended like went that direction with someone that impressed me at 3.30 in the morning. Um, but you know what? I'm uh, an ethical journalist, and I'll say that it's off the record. Mm-hmm. And I, I will not expose okay. any co- coaches or people, but um, our friend Brooke Pryor, um, I'll throw her under the bus. I have no problem doing that. Um, she's my good friend at ESPN, and uh, – you know, she she definitely not only is a good journalist, but also does a good job when it comes to the nightlife portion of the combine. Hmm. Not a whole lot of info well, coming from ask, Mike. Huh? I got to ask you the, the obligatory: Did you do the shrimp cocktail at uh, St. Elmo's? You know what? I was kind of depressed. I somehow did not. I, I missed my chance. How to the do hell that. are all you people going to Indianapolis and not eating at St. <laughs> Elmo's? Can I ask you that, Paul? I know you're you're. You know, you're a guy who isn't afraid to give your opinion and criticize, and right now you're spot on. I'm, I'm willing to accept the criticism because I've really messed up in, in that way. Uh, I really, really should have been eating the shrimp cocktail. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing about it is everybody that e- has eaten it has uh, universally said it's un- incredible. I'm allergic to it, but I always go to St. Elmo's and get a steak and everything else. It's, uh, it's, an, inc- it's an incredible meal, to say the least. So yeah, last year the Steelers their uh, media dinner was at St. Elmo's. Um, so I'm a, I'm gonna have to make a trip back there at some point because it does live up to the hype. And the whole thing is, they just load the the sauce with um, horseradish. Hmm. So you have to be a bit of a masochist uh, when you're eating it, but it's it's delicious. All right, I have a question for both of you, fine gentlemen. Uh, Brett McMurphy, who covers college football, NCAA football rule committee. And we know last year it seemed like in college football they finally were aware that the games take nine hours, so they tried to make them a little faster. Now this. NCAA Football Rule Committee proposes adding a two-minute warning to the second and fourth quarters, allowing schools to use coach-to-player communications through helmet to one player on the field. Uh, don't we? What are they doing? First of all, they, they have these giant idiot signs on every play it's like the coaches already choreograph every movement of a college football game. None of the quarterbacks think for themselves, and the games take eight hours. Paul, what's going on well, here? Well, the two-minute warning is it. I mean, it's simple. 
What, why is there a two-minute warning in the NFL? So they can get more commercial time. And that's all that is. That's the only reason there's a two-minute warning in there. It's an extra timeout so they can get two or three minutes more of commercials. So you're right. To your point, say it's two and a half minutes. Of co- that's five extra minutes of dead time. I can't watch college football anymore. The games are too long. And, and, I, even if it's so a great game, I, I say I now, don't. I don't give a crap the anymore. Whole, the whole thing with the the uh, you know the helmet communication. Yeah, um, that's probably sort of in direct response to the whole Michigan scandal. Basically, that's I just want to take exactly what. Yeah, yeah, Paul. That that was what I was going to say. Is that if there was anything good that came out of the whole Harbaugh situation and obviously him trying to gain an advantage is it hopefully it does get rid of the ridiculousness of coaches on the sideline holding up pictures of SpongeBob SquarePants and um, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, like, I didn't think uh, of it this way. Are you both with Patrick, me though here, Mike, that the, the I sit down to watch a college game, it's noon, by the time it's over, uh, it's time for bed. I can't watch these games anymore. Well, I kind of disagree with you. I'm of the mind, more football, the better. And uh, I will watch football all day, every day. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Paul, four and a half hour college games? Um, it's too long. And, and the problem is it's too long because four and a half hours is not four and a half hours of actual, yeah. you know, of actual, well, you know. Action. Action. It's, right. They what what they they boil it down to about twelve and a half minutes of actual action. So think about that. You're sitting there for no, four and a half minutes. It's horrifying. The, 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 the SEC games on CBS on Saturday afternoons are the worst. They just seem to take forever and ever. And then of course the the primetime games because of the commercials and the stops and the it just I I I think one of the things is you get to a point where it's just excessiveness and there's no reason for it. Now I I, I will say this. And I know a lot of people didn't like this, but I liked the fact that they finally got rid of the stupidity of every time there's a first down, the clock stops. They Thank finally, God. They finally Thank got God rid they of that. Did that. Yes, that helped the game flow a lot. Uh, as Joel will attest, the first few weeks you had to adjust your over-under betting because of that, <laughs> because there were less possessions in the game, but it was actually better. Because, because the, the, that just seemed to kill the flow of the game. Mike, would you like to participate in a game of Paul Thinks Incrinculently, otherwise known as PTI, the Joe Show version? I would love to. Good, <laughs> because our friend Joel Nelson has some questions. We each have 15 seconds, and then the buzzer goes off, and Joel is to be unquestioned when he rules the winner for each round. It'll go Paul, you, and me. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Jolie, do you have the apparatus set up properly? Give you one minute. That's fine. Is it I know apparatus? I sprung, I sprung apparatus. Somebody else a, used that word or today. Or is it apparati? Mike? I think apparati would be plural. I, I think apparatus is already it, singular. Apparatuses. One, 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 uh, apparatus, I remember. Uh, apparatus. I remember uh, uh, E.J. Borghetti once scolded us because uh, Gourmet the Owl. Yeah. Wrote, uh, it was either Gorman the Hour or uh, <laughs> one, one of your trip guys. I think it was either DePaulo or, or Gorman the Owl. But they uh, wrote about uh, one of the linemen wearing a, 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 what are those things called? A boot? Yeah. And uh, EJ gave us a lecture and he said, uh, you, you're not allowed to, you know, w- w- you're prohibited from writing about the apparatus that you might see. 
It's players, a great word. Yes, apparatus you, you might see players wearing or, or, or using. Mike, <laughs> you, Mike used that word uh, earlier in this interview. Did you not? I'm going to be honest. I just say things. I never know what's coming out of my mouth, and I just hope that I don't swear on live radio. I hope you do. Jolie, are we ready to go? All right. Why don't you count off 15 seconds to yourself then and just buzz it, okay? We're ready for yeah, like questions. Ba- basketball ref style. I want to see him doing the little arm thing. Yeah, he will be if you're watching. Uh, if you're watching at a, Is Jolie on camera? I think only Paul and I are. But here we go. 15 seconds for each. Jolie declares a winner, then on to the next question. Paul, Mike, Joe. Ready? Go. All right. First question. LeBron James, nine points away from 40,000. Will he be the only 40,000-point scorer in the NBA ever? Yes. I don't think anybody's going to play at the level that he's played at for as long as he's played at ever again. So, yes, I think he will be the only guy. <laughs> yes, my Mike. Now? Yeah. Uh, no, he's not going to be. Records are made to be broken. And every time we think that we have an unbeatable record, a new, younger, better person comes on. So it, as long as the NBA continues to be a thing, which it will, someone is going to come along and break that record. You guys are doing good with this so far. Thank you, Jolie. Let's see if I can do it too. Go ahead. Yes, this is going to be broken. The NBA, they, they, they've they made it so that the scores are in the 130s routinely now. And you have a guy like Luka Doncic, who, who's, what is he, like 25? He looks like he's still 11. You have guys scoring 80 and 70 points. Somebody's going to get to 40,000. I'm going to go with you, Joe. Just the way that the NBA is trending right now with all this scoring, I think so. Thank you, Jolie. Next question. All right. Uh, Paul's only- shaking his head. We're not allowed to question the imperial judge. I'm not questioning Okay. All right. Next question. Uh, The only one I've got together right now, Penguins currently 62 points. Looks like they are two spots out of uh, the last wild card. How much of a chance do you give the Penguins to make the playoffs? I'm not first this time. It's now it's Mike's first. All right, Mike, you go. We rotate rotate. You go ahead, Mike. I'm going to give them a 10% or less chance, and the reason for that is not only do they have all this ground to make up, but look at the current construction of the roster. Right now they're missing Jake Gensel. He's not coming back. He may have played his last game as a Penguin. They're missing another top six winger in Brian Russ. They have Drew O'Connor, who is having a great season, but started on the third line, now playing on the top line. This team not only has struggled all year, but now You have to hurt. stop right when the buzzer goes. Sorry, Mike. Mike? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I stopped. I completely just shut up when you do that. <laughs> well, that's what needs to happen. It's a buzzer for a reason. I'm next. Go. I give them about a 20% chance, Jolie. I still think there is a chance because of the incompetence around them. Tampa Bay has fallen apart. Do I believe in New Jersey? Not without a goalie, I don't. Do the Cap- I believe in the Capitals? No, the Islanders stink. The Flyers stink. The Flyers are not even going to make the playoffs. Paul? I give them about a 85% chance of making the playoffs because I do think, as Joe said, a number of the other teams are not that good. I think the Flyers have a goalie issue, and I think that this star group is just good enough to get them over the finish line. 85%? Yes. Holy horse milk. That is quite the take, 85%. I'm going to side with Mike Mm. on this one. I I think it's just too slim. 
for the Penguins. Now, yes, there are some other teams like you guys have cited who probably a little bit a little disappointing seasons as well, but this is just not trending well for the Penguins. They've stacked up some wins recently before the Seattle game. I just don't know. Congratulations, Mike. On all your success. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, I have a question. Uh, do one of your sponsors, are they going to be mailing me a gift for winning? Um, do yes. Do I get anything? A, a, a guaranteed bidet that you can use for the rest of your life. <laughs> Okay. I think maybe like a weekend at Nemecorin or... We'll see. I don't know. Okay. He has uh, to we go. Have, we have to go. Do we have another one? We're way over. No, we're done. Well, uh, let, let me just say that. Can I, can I just say this <laughs> yes. real quick? Okay. Yes. Kevin Durant is second all-time, is second career, is a second active leading scorer in the NBA right now, right? Yeah. If he has his best season ever, five times... He's 35. If he has his best season over five times over the next five years, he still won't have 40,000 points. But we're siding with other guys when I say ain't nobody getting there. Thank you. Well, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about Luca. for one. He just turned 25. How many career points does he have, Jolie? Who? Luka Doncic. He's already got 10,000 points. He's got 10,000 points. He's almost has 11,000 points. He just graduated from elementary school, Mike. 15 years, 2,000 a year is how many? He's played one, two, three, okay. four, five, so six. He's he 11,000 in six so, years. So 15 more years he's going to play. If he has 2,000 in every year, <laughs> that's 30,000. He's just going to get there. Guess what? He ain't doing that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Mike, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. I'll talk <laughs> All to you right, soon. buddy. See we'll soon. see you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Up next. Uh, By the way, can I just say something real quick? Yeah. Um, no, we I, have to go. Wait, wait, say I it after say, the. No, it's good. It'll be one second. Okay. Hey, Joe and Paul, could you say a little hope or prayer for my wife? She goes mm. in for a screening on Tuesday. Just need a little help. Thank you, guys. From Dustin. Absolutely, <laughs> so we Dustin. Will absolutely, give it to you. Consider that done. Yes. Uh, the Steelers <laughs> had a very significant player from their history. Uh, pass away at age 82. Let's talk about that a little bit next. We're going to get into college quarterbacks from the 21st century here. A list came out that I have some objections to. We'll do that as well. 50-minute mark on the fan coming up. Brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 Peters Township. Celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. The time right now, 1237. Brought to you by Gina G. and Petro of Remax Select Realty. Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia Peters Township. Visit them at SouthHillsKia.net and the fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Uh, there we yeah, go. I like this. Little I like fire. this. That's how we do it. That's what we do, right? But just not the <laughs> yeah. Who is this? Cool in the gang? It's Earth in the fire. Cool in the gang. Joe thinks all the black guys look alike. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Earth, Wind, and Fire. This sounds like cool in the gang. It does, but it's Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. Uh, but not to belabor my Little point. Little horn section? Yeah, of course. That's 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 a big part of it. Like, a lot of those bands, uh, those soul, you know, funk bands from like the 70s, That's they all had horn sections. Little, little you know, saxophone, little, little trumpet, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, this is all I was going to say to you. Yeah. Going back to our little discussion about LeBron James, Joel. Yes. 
He's, what is he right now? 39, 40 years old? How old is he? 39 years old. Yeah. His last, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Let's go his last seven years. This year he's averaging 25.3 points. He averaged 28.9 last year, 30.3 the year before, 25, 25.3, 27.4, 27.5. My point is, from age 34 to 39 or whatever. Crazy. We're not going to see guys do that. No, we He's won't see guys do that. That's my point. To get the 45, like he just asked me about Steph Curry. How many points do you think Steph Curry has? Knowing that LeBron James has 40,000 and Steph Curry's 35 years old, he's been in the league, you know. I would uh, think Curry's reached 20,000, right, at some point by now? He's 23,000. All I'm saying is because of guys coming in just as young as LeBron did and because of the environment, it's a higher, crazy higher scoring league that a guy like Luka could have a shot. He could have a shot. He could have a shot, but I don't. I mean, I just. I don't think. I. I, I can't see even. A, I. I can't see him. Fifteen years from now, he's averaging thirty a game like LeBron. I know. I, just, I know. I, it's I'm Brady. Gonna... It's Brady territory. It's a highly unlikely. I'll acknowledge that. It's, uh, it's in case incredible. you missed it, uh, new audience. I'm sure here uh, late in the noon hour. Andy Russell uh, passes away at age 82. Story I'm reading in the Post Gazette right now. Part of, as Ed Bouchette tweeted out, part of some of the worst and best Steelers teams of all time. He was one of the holdovers. He he recounted through NFL films. There's some great stuff on when Chuck Knoll came in, said, you know, essentially what a bunch of nice guys the Steelers were, but none of them would be working for him in the future. But Andy Russell was one. And he took to Knoll's teachings, and he was a great, great player. Ed called him a borderline Hall of Famer. Like I said, Paul, on on if he played for the Bills, he would be like a top five to ten defensive player in their history. There's it's just no- that this franchise produces defensive player of the year and player candidates and Hall of Famers left and right on defense. I, I think what's really interesting about him, he's one of the maybe the only guy or one of the few guys that – got to play among some of the worst Steelers teams of all time. Yeah. And then also was still around for some of the best Steelers teams of all time. Like he played, like he started in the sixties when they were still, when, when they were awful. Horrific. And, and he was around as they built that team, as they started putting pieces around, they got Chuck Nolan, 1969. Obviously they started putting pieces around and, and, and then built the, the Super Bowl teams. That's, that's what made his story a little bit unique. I mean, a lot of those guys that we talk about were all guys that were drafted, you know, by Chuck Knoll, you know, and Bill Nunn and everything else. And for the most part, they were all part of the Super Steelers teams and the build-up to the Super Steelers teams. Andy Russell was part of some really god-awful oh. laughingstock teams. And then all of a sudden, they hired this guy named Chuck Knoll. Dan Rooney takes over the franchise. They 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 bring in you know they they bring in Bill Nunn as a scout. All of a sudden, guys like Joe Green start showing up, and 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 you know Bradshaw and Franco and the whole list. But 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 it's interesting, like like we said before, and like you just said about 
Andy Russell, if he played for the Bills or if he played for, you know, any number of other teams, or if he played in a different era for the Steelers, his, his, but we could literally, if you, if you talk about the super 70 Steelers, right? Let's let's say who you're going to mention before you're going to mention uh, Russell. Can well, we yeah, yeah. Can no, we agree? <clears throat> Listen to this. Yeah, the Bills, many other right. franchises, the top five to ten. Right. Guy. On his own team, he was the third best linebacker. Exactly. Third best. Exactly. But let, but think about it. Can we agree that – tell me if there's any of these guys I'm going to name that you wouldn't say, yeah. Remember him. Yeah, people right. recall okay. him first from those teams. Okay. Right. Bradshaw, obviously. Franco, obviously. Rocky Blyer, obviously. Stwan, Stallworth, obviously, obviously. Webster, obviously, right? Uh, uh, Joe Green, obviously. L.C. Greenwood, would you agree with that? Because they were part of the Steel Curtain and probably Dwight White and Arrowhead Ernie Holmes, maybe. Mel, Mel, Mel Blunt. Mel Blunt, for sure. Dwight White, okay. How about Donnie Shell? Yeah, he came along after. Jack yeah. Ham. And Jack Lambert. Lambert. <laughs> Right. And we're talking about 13, 14 guys you start naming before you get to Andy Russell. It's incredible. That's that's how good those teams were. You know, if you think about it, it's like, oh, my God. You, I, I don't know that sometimes – I think sometimes people just say, oh, the 70s, Super 70 Steelers, great team, great franchise, dynasty, all that other – I don't think – there have been days when I've actually just sat there and said, Holy hell. Yeah, how did that happen? How did all of those guys get on one team? H- how did it happen? Great you know drafting what I mean? for one thing. And and again, it, that probably could never happen again because of the way they scouted back then. They were one of the first teams that really went and scoured the the map for the black college, you know, players and yeah. places that you wouldn't normally go to look for players back then. Nowadays, if there's a guy that plays college football anywhere in this country, and even in some other countries, somebody's got film on them. For sure. You know what I mean? Somebody in every organization's got film. Of, they know every single player. There's just no real surprises. And when I say that, I don't mean that they don't miss on some guys and maybe some guys they pick in the sixth round become stars. Everybody knows pretty much every player that's available. Man, you look at that, and, and if you talk to people who participated in some or all of those Super Bowls anywhere in the organization. It's always the first one that means the most. It always is. And there's Andy Russell, right linebacker. Jack Lambert in the middle, Jack Ham on the left, the steel curtain in front of them with J.T. Thomas, Mel Blunt, Mike Wagner, Glenn Edwards behind him. I... Joe Green will tell you their greatest defensive performance ever was the AFC title game when they went into Oakland against a great Raider team and held them to, I don't know, 17 yards rushing, 21, some ridiculous total like that. And then, if you want their second greatest defensive performance, how about the Super Bowl, where they held the Vikings to six points? And and, and no points offensively. I think it was a block punt they recovered in the end zone. And Andy Russell was part, a big part of that, an eight-time Pro Bowl player. Yeah. What were you saying wow about? No, wow. I mean, uh, what was the second factoid you gave? Something there was. What they did to Oakland, what they did to Stabler Stabler and Tarkenton. How about they? if you listen to those guys talk, they'll tell you the best defense was actually the year they didn't win the Super Bowl. Yes, 76. Because Rocky and, and Franco were hurt. Right and and but but they apparently did what did they have like four or five shutouts down the stretch or yes. something and they were 
Lambert Lambert told NFL Films, he told them that the Chiefs said that was our greatest team, and Lambert said, I agree. Right. And and they didn't win it. They didn't win it. Which goes goes to show you how difficult it is to win it. Yeah. Only one team wins it every year, and then uh, you have to have a great team, but you also have to have a little luck. And those were great Raider teams. Yeah, I mean, th- think about the, the the little teeny weeny bit of difference between the Raiders and the Steelers in those years. <laughs> it could right. it could have been the Raiders. It could have been, but guys like Andy Russell helped make it the Steelers. He was there for the first two, and also from everything I've read, heard, <laughs> people I've talked to, including Andy himself, on a couple of occasions for a couple different stories. I think uh, on the telephone. Uh, just a very classy, intelligent, compassionate guy off the field. And you can read about that in this post because that story. Also, by the way, uh, a lieutenant in the U.S. Army, uh, had an MBA in economics from Missouri. Mike Wagner, I see now quoted, they've added a couple quotes. From a football standpoint, Mike Wagner said, great safety <laughs> on those teams. He was just really special. He was smart as can be. Not only smart, he would sometimes outwit the opponents and blitz when he wasn't supposed to blitz, drop off when he's not supposed to drop off, but he always made plays. He was a great teammate and a leader, and he will be missed. Jack Ham, my understanding is those two are really, really good friends. Uh, Jack Ham said he was there in the tough years when they weren't winning very many football games, and I'm so glad he got to be part of the Super Bowl era as well. I think I think Art Rooney may have come out with a statement also. He came to us and was immediately a leader. Rooney said, same thing as in college, same thing as in the military. I heard the Steelers were looking for a captain of the team, and maybe it was Mansfield who said, hey, Andy's a captain. How about that with all the guys around there? So quite a legacy for how Andy about, Russell. How about his first – how about in, in, in 68 and 69 – 67, 68, 69. He was on teams that went, let me do the math real quick. What is that? Combined 7, 33, and 2. Yeah. Oh. You think the playoff drought is big at seven years? Try the, try the entire franchise history <laughs> before Noel got there. Well, if, if, if from 47 until 72. None. Nothing. Like, that's why, uh, honestly, and this is kind of a, is this an offshoot? I always ask, why is the chief considered this legendary owner? I think he's a legendary presence. I think he's a legendary Pittsburgher. But as far as an owner of a football team, it was a bit of a disaster. Well, his greatest move was sort of handing the reins to, to his to, to his son. Right. Yeah, for the for the Noel right. coaching search, right. where he was still pressing for who was it? I th- was Paterno involved in that yeah. one? And then there was another story yeah. about uh, somebody that Lombardi suggested to the chief, and the chief was like, hey, if Lombardi suggests it, oh, it was Eric Parsegian from Notre Dame. If he suggests it, let's go interview him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. How would the Steelers How would the Steelers' history be different if they hired Joe Paterno in 1969? Man, what a great question. We're going to get into some different history now, Paul. Okay. You and I, the other day when City Limits was producing our show, there was a list of the 80 greatest college quarterbacks in ESPN's opinion 
since the year 2000. I was outraged that Pat White wasn't on the list until I found out he was. Then I was less outraged, but he's still only at number 30. What if we have our friend Jolie just read some of these, like go 10 by, by groups of 10, and we'll say what stands out to us about that 10. Okay, that'll be good. I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I, I like these types of things. I think it's right in our wheelhouse you know, John, here. I got to be honest with you. One thing I'm really a little disappointed about. Yeah. I've been here all week and um, been alive for some of the week, dead for some of the week, but I've, I've, you still haven't played the Buffalo song for me. Jolie, can we take care of that in the next hour? We need, we, we need to, I, I need to hear that. It's, that was know. the last fight Ron and I had among many in six years was when I played the Buffalo touchdown song the week leading into the Steelers. I, I, I'm talking game. about the Buffalo got a spirit. Song. Yeah. Oh, oh, we'll play that one for sure. <laughs> Let's come back with that one. Mr. T let's do that. Um, what time is it? Where, where are we? We're doing a radio show. This is a disaster. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Route 19 in Peters Township. Celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. We'll get back into Penguins predictions for the weekend. Spent a lot of time talking about Jeremy Roenick on Mike Sullivan. Uh, sort of saying the players have turned on him. Not sure we either one of us necessarily believes that. But there's a discussion to be had about Sully's future. We'll get back into that. Fan weather. Brought to you by Sun Chevrolet McMurray. Save some green in March at Sun Chevy or sunchevy.com. Partly sunny, turning to cloudy skies today with a high of 60. All right. Guess what, Paul? Yes. And I'm glad that you wanted to hear that. I wanted to hear it. That means something to me. Uh, Social media's biggest loser, Mulsey. Brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Reserve your consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Austin City Limits uh, pointed out the fact there was uh, a list on ESPN of the 80 greatest quarterbacks since the year 2000. College, college only quarterbacks. How would you like to do this, Paul? Yes. How about we go? Forget about 80 to 50. Let's go. Let's go 50 to 40, and just hear Jolie read those names, and we'll get all the way down to the bottom and try to guess the top five. Okay. Okay. Let's see what stands out about 50 to 40. Read the names, please, Jolie. I got to pull up the list here briefly. Oh, oh here we go. That would. <laughs> did, did City Limits provide you with the list? No. What? I didn't really. I sent We he... didn't get a, we Him and I. Oh, did he not? Was he supposed he to? He doesn't talk yes, to you. Yes. I sent both like of you. you. A, a, wait a second here. There was a text sent this morning. It, it, you're known as Jolie on my in my texting and he's known as city limits. I said, city limits. Can you please pass along the list of 80 quarterbacks? He said, and I quote, sure thing. I guess it wasn't such a sure thing. Was it? Did you find it? Jolie? Give me like one moment. I'll try and get there. We finally reached a glen in, 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 in the break here. I told Jolie, he was pitching a perfect game and I jinxed him. City limits gave him the, the uh, Belfont snorkel. Yeah, he did. Is that what that is that is that how we use that phrase? Yeah, this one. This one hurts. Yeah, exactly. And, and this one hurts here because I was looking forward. I thought I thought city limits took care of this. What should I do to him, Paul? <laughs> huh? Quarterbacks from the two thousands on ESPN. All right. This was the segment yesterday where you were upset because you didn't think Pat White was on it. Exactly. And we none of us had an ESPN. Sub- <laughs> the 80th quarterback is Bailey Zappi 
of Western Kentucky. Bailey's All right, ready when you guys are. You have the whole thing? I do have the whole thing now. This is gigantic. Uh, Let's start at 40 then. Read 40 to 30, and we'll just have some thoughts together. Go ahead. Number 40, Ken Dorsey, the U. Okay. 39, Chase Daniel from Missouri. Uh Uh-huh. 38, Graham Harrell from Texas Tech. Next up, Troy Smith, Ohio State, Uh, former Heisman winner. That's pretty low. He was a great college quarterback. Yeah. Go ahead. 36, Jason White from Oklahoma. Next up, Colin Kaepernick from Nevada. Listen, Wait, listen who was to that this. from Nevada? Wait a second. Colin Kaepernick, 35. Wait a second. Uh, this still happens to Ron, it, and I swear to God this happened today. Somebody went back to where we put out a little photo of Ron and said, thank you for all your years. And today, one and a half hours ago, some guy, Ty, calls himself on Twitter, says, thanks for screwing Larry Fitzgerald out of a Heisman. <laughs> Him and Smizek will never live that one down. It still gets talked about around here. All right, Jason White, th- then I never, I never knew Kaepernick was good, a great college quarterback. But go ahead. Uh, 34, Rex Grossman from Florida. Mm-hmm. And then 33, Michael Penix Jr., Indiana and Washington. 32, Justin Fields, Ohio State, Ooh. technically Georgia. Yeah. 31, Big Ben Roethlisberger, Miami, Ohio. Mm. And then Pat White, number 30, West Virginia. Your quick thought when you hear all those names, Paul, what stands out, one thing? Well, I would say this. One guy won a Heisman Trophy, and he's not in the top 30. Who's that? Jason. Uh, uh, Troy Smith. Smith. Jason White. Is any of the guy that won the Heisman Trophy the year for Larry? That, yeah, that, he that, did. That, that, did that, you think he was that good, though? Did I think he was that good? This is listen. I know this. This is one of those things that hit fans. It's a sore spot. And here's the thing: I absolutely, okay, agree that uh, Larry Fitzgerald probably should have won it that year. But it isn't like this guy was chopped liver. Jason White, are you ready for this? He threw for 3,846 yards, 40 touchdowns, yeah, and 10 interceptions. He was pretty good. He was like a Matt Leinert back there. He just stood back there he and won, threw to a bunch of superior he athletes. He won a Heisman Trophy. So did uh, Gino Toretta, didn't he? Maybe not. You get the point. My point, I get that, but my point is they give that to the guy who was the best player in the year of the year. In their opinion. Okay. In their opinion's okay, wrong. Listen, Let me ask you this. If I saw Jason three, White play. He's not on the same planet as a college quarterback. Not on the same planet as Pat White. Pat White was one of the ten at least greatest college quarterbacks he, I've ever seen. Was he better than Major Harris? So he's not even the best in his own school's history. Well, Major Harris is up there, too. All right, let's get to th- – <laughs> I'm just saying. For, for, so you got another Jason thing White. here. Here's my thing. Another thing here. Was ben- Michael Penix is better than Troy Smith? I know. Come on. Come on. Come on. Here's the other thing. Was Big Ben that really that good in college? I know. What, what is that? I mean, he was, re- <laughs> I mean, he was really good. Again, don't get me wrong, but, but it was – I don't really re- – I don't know. Do we really remember Ben as a great college quarterback? No, he was a, a great pro, uh, a great pro. Well, prospect. look up his. I think he had great. I mean, he he was obviously great. Well, We're not saying that, but this is this is college only, yeah, right? Look, yeah, I'm looking it up right now. College stats. 
Ben Roethlisberger, college stats. 37 and 10. His senior year. Okay. That's pretty good. In the Mac. In the Mac. Right. All right. Give us 30 to uh, 29 to 20, Jolie, if you would. Number 29, Russell Wilson, NC State for a bit before he went on to Wisconsin. Now get out of here with that. Who? Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Go ahead. Although he was pretty good against Pitt that day. <laughs> yeah, he was really good. I was there that day. Go ahead. 28, uh, Bo Nix started off at Auburn, just went to Oregon now. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 27. He started off at Bama, of course, and then went to Oklahoma. 26, Case Keenum. I'll let you know when, I, when one of these guys is, is, in, is in the same stratosphere as Pat White as a college quarterback. Case Keenum. Isn't that interesting? Bo Nix Bo ahead of Pat White. Who's the guy who wrote this? I'm calling him up or having him on the show on Monday. Anyway, keep going. Uh, 25, Carson Palmer, USC. 24, Philip Rivers from NC State. Caleb Williams, 23, also from USC. A little bit of time at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. 22, Tua Tagovailoa, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then here's where it gets a little bit interesting. 21, CJ Stroud, Ohio State. 20, Bryce Young, Alabama. Thoughts? And that's how they were picked, too, right? Bryce Young yeah, was just... ahead of, of C.J. Stroud. Um, who was about 20? Give me 26 and 25 again. 26 was Case Keenum from Houston, and then Carson Palmer, 25, USC. Okay. Uh, Hold on a second here. I'm a big Russell Wilson guy. Oh, okay. For, well, at Wisconsin, he had 33 touchdowns and four picks. As a fifth-year senior, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Another year, he had 17 touchdowns and one pick. Another year, he had 31 touchdowns, all of them against Pitt in that game. Yeah, <laughs> it sure felt like it. But he still wasn't as good as Pat White, I can tell you that. And I'm not overrating Pat White. Any other thought on that group Pat, of 10? Pat White should be higher than what he was, for sure. But I, I still go back to Jason. Jason, is that his name, Jason White? Yeah. He should be... Way higher. He won a Heisman. So did, didn't Rex Grossman win the Heisman? I don't – just because – like, Liner. I'm sure Leinert's going to be top ten on this list. I don't think of him as one of the greatest college quarterbacks I, I, I ever saw. I, I, what but, I think of him is, is he's standing back there with five NFL players blocking and five more in the pattern, including Reggie Bush and whoever else you want to name, and he just stood there and picked people apart. I don't think of him as this unbelievable college quarterback, even though his numbers were spectacular. Did he win a Heisman, Leinert? I think he did, but let me look. Let's go 19 to 10, Jolie. Number 19, Jaden Daniels, LSU. I mean, come on, man, really? Come he's on. A Heisman winner. But he's a what Heisman winner. There's a Heisman winner. Well, he's, he's great. He's great, but I'm saying, he, but, but again, he's great, but that's not recent, recent, uh, recency bias. What was the number I read to you yesterday? He was one of the only guys to to, to have yes. some combined pat- – go I'm, ahead. I, I'm just saying I'm, – I'm, I mean, I, my point is I think if you win a Heisman Trophy, you got to be in the top 20. I, you, you do. I disagree, but we can move on. Go ahead. We can't. Number 18, Andrew <laughs> Luck, Stanford Cardinal. <laughs> what? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. Go if, ahead. If you thought that was crazy, Joe – Number 17 from USC, Matt Leinert. Matt, of course, Matt Leinert. Matt Leinert. Oh. You take every defensive coordinator in history, every defensive coordinator who's ever, who's ever run a defense, 
and you ask that guy, you put on the tape and you say, are you more fearful of Matt Leinart <laughs> or Bryce Young, Jaden Daniels, Pat White, Justin Fields, Troy Smith? Come on. Anyway, go ahead. Wild, isn't it? Number 16, Jameis Winston, Florida State. 15, Sam Bradford, Oklahoma. 14, Kellen Moore, Boise State. 13 was Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel from A&M. What was he, 13? 13. He was great in college, Yeah, Paul. he was unbelievable. 12, Colt McCoy from Texas. Uh-huh. 11, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Number 10, starting off the top 10, RG3 oh, hold on, from hold Baylor. On, hold on, let's, okay. R oh, RG3 was ridiculous. Who was 11? Trevor Lawrence. Who was 12? Colt Lawrence McCoy. Was 12 Colt, McCoy. Colt McCoy? <laughs> what are we even doing at this Hold point? on, hold on. He had some, un wait a second, did he win the Heisman? No. He was not. Did they say whether these guys won the Heisman? I have the Heisman. I can't remember I who won the Heisman. Heisman. I think guys did who didn't and guys who didn't did. Colt McCoy? He finished I, top three in Heisman twice. I don't care. He never even had 35 touchdown passes. His sophomore year, he had 22 touchdowns and 18 picks. <laughs> His senior year, he had 27 and 12. What are we doing? That's a, that, that, that is, What are we doing here? That is definitely one that's got to go. And he never had more than 560 yards rushing. What are we doing with Colt McCoy? Did he win the Heisman? No. He was not, but he came close a couple times. Yeah, who cares? That wasn't directed at you, Jolie. It's directed at this guy who wrote the story. All right. Uh, Johnny Football, by the way, deserves to be in the top ten. He was spectacular. He was remarkable. God, I love that guy. What were Trevor Lawrence's college stats? Eh, he was great, I guess. Was he? Anyone? Yeah, I mean, well, he's. I don't know. He was. He. I. I. I'm sorry. I just don't. When I think of electrifying college quarterbacks, was, I think Vince he, Young. And, he was and, pretty good, though. He was good. He was good. Senior year, 24 touchdowns, five picks. I mean, he was really good. He had great weapons around. I'm sorry, he's not in my top 20 of guys I've seen since 2000. Troy Smith was better than him. How do you like that? He was not. Yes, he was. 90 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. I know, but he played. Well, let's look up Troy Smith then. Troy Smith's senior year, 30 touchdowns, six picks. Did he win the Heisman? He did. <laughs> then why aren't you arguing more for him? Where was he at? He was like in 46. Yeah, he should have been higher. All right, give us the top but nine. My la my, but, but Troy Smith, my, my lasting impression of Troy Smith, and this probably is why I'm biased, yeah. is him. So the 13-9 to game happens, right? Yeah. And so LSU goes to play Ohio State as opposed to West Virginia going to play Ohio right. State. And if you remember, Troy Smith and really half the Ohio State team looked like they spent six weeks eating bonbons and Twinkies and pizza and not working out because they were all fat and slow. Right. So that was my lasting impression. But go ahead. By the way, uh, Pat White, when he left West Virginia, had the record for career rushing yards by a quarterback and career rushing yardage by a quarterback. <laughs> this dude could go 80 at the drop of a hat. 
And the, the 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 disrespect here is really really annoying. How about I remember too? He had one of the great quotes of all time. I think it was to you, where you. Yeah, he did. He said, "If if we're fifths, we'd all be drunk." That's exactly what he said. That was after they lose to Pitt. Yeah. And I'm like, why didn't they have you? I said, how did I phrase the question? I said, would you guys have won if you had run more? If they'd had you run more, I wanted to pin it on them, not him. And that's what he said. He said, if ifs were fifths, we'd all be drunk. (laughs) Great quote. He was the MVP of the Gator Bowl, too. Uh, So it wasn't like, you know, you want to complain about the competition. This guy lit everybody up. Let me look up those numbers, if I may. Sean, don't call me Seth Jolie. The Gator Bowl must have been 2005. Who'd they play? Oh, they played your guys, Florida State. And Who did? West Virginia, Rich Rodriguez. Florida State won. He couldn't have been the MVP that year. That wasn't Pat White's year. My no, bad. No, it was the year. It was the year. Uh, you're, t- you're thinking of when they played Oklahoma. All right. Give us the top 10. Start, RG3 is number 10? Yes, RG3, number 10. Number nine, Marcus Mariota from Oregon. Mm-hmm. Number eight, okay. Lamar Jackson from Louisville. <laughs> All right. Seven, Kyler Murray obviously started off at A&M, then went to Oklahoma, got the Heisman at Oklahoma. Number six, Deshaun Watson from Clemson. Yeah. Number five, Joe Burrow, LSU. I mean, Joe Burrow was great for, what, one year? Yeah. He was really Because really- he started off at Ohio State. And then I know, but there before the one year at LSU. Don't you think when you think great college quarterbacks, guys who did it for a while, Paul? I do, but in 2019, he had 60 touchdowns and six interceptions. So are we talking greatest seasons by a college quarterback uh, I, I or greatest college quarterback? I just know. I mean, if, if I'm looking at great quarterbacks, I'm. Obviously, he had a you know team. That he had, had like one great, even good season. One touchdowns, one. sixty touchdowns and six interceptions. Not thirty. Not All right, 25. then let's change the topic to greatest seasons no, by a college I'm, quarterback. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that this guy was really incredible. He was when, when he finally got his shot to start. Go ahead. It was no Johnny football. Go ahead. Number four, Tim Tebow from Florida. I can't argue with that one. Okay, go ahead. Number three, Vince Young from Texas. See, he's a candidate for number one, so I'm very curious to hear two and one. Number two. Wait, wait, wait. Let's see if we can guess him. All right. See if you can guess number two and one. This is since 2000, right? Hmm. See, my two and one would have been Tim Tim Tebow and Vince Young. That's why, you know. I'm going to look like an ass here, and apparently so are you. Can you think of one? Um, I'll give you a small hint. Both of these guys obviously are Heisman winners. Baker Mayfield. Number one. Oh. <laughs> okay. What? Okay. Go ahead. Baker Mayfield. He's number one. What yeah. conference for the other guy? And you already said Lamar Jackson, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, SEC for... Oh, number oh, two. Oh, oh, it makes sense now. Cam Newton. Yes, Cam Newton. Hold on a second here. Hold on a second. For, <laughs> for, 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 it, let me just ask you, without numbers or anything else, since the since the twenty first century began, is Baker Mayfield the greatest college quarterback no, you've seen? Not. He's not. No, he's not. Especially since all there's like five guys from that same system that had very similar numbers. Who is? Who's the greatest one you've seen? I mean, listen. Since then, to your point, 
to your point, okay, about Joe Burrow. Yeah. Cam Newton had one year. I and, know. I I, I don't Cam, think of Cam and, Newton like that. And Cam Newton's one year was 30 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Well, that's to your point of Joe Burrow. I'm saying. I know. One year. I, I don't think. I, I'm sorry. I don't think. I think of Vince blanking young. Okay. When I think he's the he's the best of these. Either he's him, the best of these. Either him or Tebow. Yes. I mean, as as much of a, a flame out that Tebow was in the in the Baker NFL. Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. What? No, I would go with Tim Tebow for sure. Yeah, Tebow. He won. Did he win two Heisman's? Uh, he should have. I think. Did he, Jolie? He only won one. I think. Tebow. Yeah. I think Tebow was a two-time winner. Wait was a second it? here. Vince Young's numbers stunk. What am I talking about? <laughs> now he ran for a thousand yards, but he had twelve. He only had one good year passing the ball, Paul. Really? His first two years at Texas, he had eighteen touchdown passes and eighteen picks. And then his last year, he had twenty six and ten, which isn't even great. But he was phenomenal, like on the ground. He ran for over a thousand yards. I T- get that. Tebow only won one Heisman. So it is Pat White. Pat White is the greatest college quarterback since the year 2000. Sue me. Who's your guy? Tebow? I mean, Pat White was ridiculously good. Now, Austin Hedges said there were, it was Kenny Pickett on the list somewhere. Who's Austin Hedges? Or what's his name? Who's Austin City Limits or whatever the hell you call him. What oh, you call that him? guy, yeah. Yeah, whatever the hell you call him. City anyway, limits, yeah. uh, oh, Austin Hedges is yeah. the Pirates catcher. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't keep up with all your nicknames. The city limits guy, or whatever. Yesterday, <laughs> he said that Kenny Pickett was somewhere on this list, but didn't tell us where. Where was he? Yeah, where's yeah, Pickett? Kenny Pickett at sixty-four, just behind Aaron Rodgers at sixty-three. Now wait a second. Why is Kenny Pickett so low? If we're going, hey, you have a great season. You're on our list. He had a phenomenal year. Was 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 uh, Rod Rutherford on this list? Where did he play? Any of your guys on there? Pitt. Penn State guys, Jolie? Rod Rutherford played at Pitt. He's the guy that threw the ball a zillion times. He was times asking sarcastically because Jolie is a Penn State guy. I don't see any Penn State quarterbacks, but if we were to do top overall, like let's say top 100 college players since yeah. 2000, we'd probably guarantee to see Saquon Barkley on that list. Can I? What? Did oh. you see, is Rutherford on the list? No, not from what I've seen. How about Nate Peterman? <laughs> that guy had a hell of a year. Tom Savage. Think about the thing. Pitt, Pitt had a run of like, sort of, how about Tyler Palco? Is he on the list? Yeah, he must be on the list. I think Kenny Pickett was the only Pitt quarterback on this list. Tyler Palco had a hell of a career there. Yeah. Tyler Palco. Look at this. Now I'm looking up things like Sam Bradford's college stats. I, I don't can, even I, care. I can, I completely forgot that Marcus Mariota actually won. Oh, that's the, he won the Heisman. That's who I was looking up. Marcus Mariota. Let's see his college numbers. Oh my God. Uh, in his career, he had 105 touchdowns and only 14 picks. Yeah. <laughs> and. He ran for over 700 yards. His senior year, he had 15 touchdowns on the ground, and he threw for 42. He's better than a lot better than I thought. Yeah, he was really. He good. was in that Oregon system, though. It's just 
a cheat code. Pat White's passing numbers weren't great either. Maybe my memory is deluding me. It couldn't be. I watched him play. He ran for 1,400 yards. and He, he, ran, he ran for 14. He ran for 47 touchdowns in his career. Yeah. He ran for 1,400 yards, 900 of them against, against Pitt, Pitt. On yeah. one play. Yeah. He just kept running from one end zone to the other until he got up to 900 yards. All right, Paul. Baker Mayfield, the greatest college yeah, quarterback. Let's see. Did you look up his numbers? I liked it when he put the uh, – what did he put, an arrow or a spear was or something? The, in the, was, was he the one that – The middle of the field at yeah. Ohio State? That was great. I mean, he did have 131 touchdowns against 30 picks. His last two years, Paul – at uh, Oklahoma, listen to this. He had 83 touchdown passes and 14 interceptions. <laughs> and he ran for a bunch of touchdowns. I don't give a crap. Who are we <laughs> talking to? Is anybody listening? It just feels like it's you and I in a bar with Jolie serving us at the at the counter. He had 21 touchdowns rushing in his career. Who? Baker Mayfield. I'd like him to be the Steelers quarterback, I can tell you that. Wouldn't you? What was the guy, uh, Joel, that was the number one? Oh, Christian Hackenberg. He's not on the list, right? No. He would have, he, How about Anthony no. Morelli? Maybe those guys would be somewhere between 100 to Wait 80. a second. When did Michael Robinson play? He was 2002 to 2005. He's better than some of those guys, isn't he? Is he on the list? He was not on the, There were no Penn State quarterbacks on this list. He had a great final year at Penn State unless I'm how about Clifford the the big red dog is he on the list who's that Sean Clifford is that the name oh. Sean Clifford yeah right? Sean Clifford no Penn State quarterbacks how about Le- how about Levis and Butthead Will Levis how about yeah is Will Levis on the list no he couldn't be he is not tell you what Tyler Palco might belong on this list how about the guy that was that, that, that I think he was a backup with the Ra- actually I think he was a backup with the Steelers for a while this year. <laughs> Who? What was the guy's name? The, the Penn State guy. Chris Ola is Chris Ola Dukin no, on the no, list? No, no, he was on. He was. Remember they signed. Oh, him? Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley. Yes, not him either. He should be on there. I think he should be on there. Actually, he almost won the Heisman. For God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Peterman in his last in his last two years at Pitt had forty seven touchdowns and fifteen picks. He also ran for three his last year. I don't care. Why are we doing this? <laughs> he was really good though, wasn't he? Who? Nate Peterman? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was good. No, he was really I didn't know the Bills drafted him. Did you, yeah. Jolie? He bounced around for a while, but I think is he still in the league hanging around? Let's take a guess on how many touchdowns to interceptions Nate Peterman has in his in his college career. I'm going to quiz both of you guys. You ready? Don't cheat, Jolie. I see you looking at a computer back there. Nate Peterman has a combined 17 touchdowns and interceptions. What's the ratio in his NFL career? A, Seven, com- a combined is- 17 interceptions and touchdowns. How does that break down? Uh, probably like four touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Yeah, I was going to say three touchdowns and 14 picks. Paul was right, four and 13. Very good, Paul. We have to go. <laughs> we have Tex in the City coming up. 
What didn't I do yet, Jolie? The 50-minute mark? All right. The 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. How about the greatest running back? You for, Forget for a moment. Forget the year 2000. Who's the greatest college quarterback you've ever seen? For me, it's probably probably Charlie Ward or Vince Young. I was going to say, you're really asking me that question? Charlie Ward? Of course it's Charlie Ward. I love that guy. Who's the greatest college running back you've ever seen? Wow. That's a great question. People, well, maybe they won't laugh, but I, honestly, the greatest, the most spectacular maybe was Reggie Bush for me. He was ridiculous. Oh, he was absolutely absurd. You're right. Ridiculous. He was really. I ridiculous. didn't see Tony Dorsett. I mean, I saw him from afar and I was little. Herschel Walker was pretty impressive. Yeah. Bo Jackson wasn't bad. Bo Jackson was a pretty decent player. He wasn't bad. I'll tell you who's underrated. One of the greatest I ever saw. Probably top five greatest I ever saw. And he didn't have a lot of help when he played here with Shady McCoy. Oh, absolutely. He was tremendous. Oh. Can you listen to this? Wait, listen if to this. Sh- Go ahead. <laughs> if Shady McCoy played with a kind of offensive line that a guy like Matt Lyon, can you imagine Shady McCoy is the primary back at USC? Right. He would have had 8,000 yards a season. Think about this. Let's, let's even take it. I say this all the time. I covered Pitt from about 2001 till now. I still, you know, cover them. I don't cover them as a beat reporter, but I write columns about them, and obviously I do the pregame show. So I consider myself still covering Pitt type. So 2001 till now, I still say the greatest season turned in by a Pitt player was McCoy in 2007 when the team was 5-7, and seven, and they literally could not throw a, a forward pass. Right. And he – Carried that team to five wins, obviously the the, the thirteen to nine game. But if you remember, they had they started the year, Bill Stahl was their quarterback. Two plays into the first game against like Eastern Michigan or one of those teams like that. He's pulling out under center and, it, and his thumb gets caught and he rips his thumb and he's done for the year. Well, they had a freshman, Pat Bostick, who, if you remember, came here, got weirded out or whatever, went home for four weeks and then came back and at the end of training camp was like, okay, well, he's just going to have to redshirt because he wasn't here for training camp. And they had a guy from Seneca Valley named Kevin Smith who actually is a catcher for the uh, Chicago White Sox right now. Smitty, yeah. Uh, right? But he had only played like eight games as, as a high school player. So, and he, they took him as a project. That was their two guys that were quarterbacks. Right. And they played that Michigan State game. That's when they figured out you know what, if we just snap it to McCoy, it's a better yeah, just outcome. Yeah, give him for, the you know ball I mean? every so that play. They, that's when they started. The I'm not wild, sure I disagree with you That's when they started the Wildcat yes. thing with him. And if you think about this, it's funny. When they played Michigan State that day, if they would have just punted on first down every single series of the first half, they would have won the game. I agree. Because they lost 17-13. to 13 And they had a pick six, which – I think it was Bostic threw a pick six on a tunnel screen, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And then there was a, a, a pass that was intercepted back to, like, the one-yard line. And then there was another pass that was intercepted to, like, the 20, and they kicked the field goal. It was 17 to nothing. Michigan State was up, you know, and the bottom line was 
if Pitt just punted the ball three times as opposed to trying to throw it, they would have been it would have been zero zero and they would have won the game. Unbelievable. It's like the Browns against the Steelers in the game in Pittsburgh this year. Honestly, if they just knelt on the ball, they'd probably win. Anyway, Tex in the City coming up next. Yes, sir, it's time for Tex in the City. Combined with a little what's cooking in honor of our old friend Ron. That's brought to you by your local Geico rep, Tim Hester. Thank you, Mr. Hester, very kindly. Also brought to you by Mr. Reuter. Call 412 Reuter 2. Thank you, Mr. Reuter, equally as kindly. I mentioned the 50 minute mark on the fan South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Uh, before we get to this, you can keep the music going, but someone else wanted to know is Mitch or Mason on that list of college quarterbacks? Jolie? I did not see those names. Mason had a pretty good Mason college Rudy career. Was pretty good at the, yeah. All right. Hell, if he'd have played Pitt every uh, for eleven weeks, he'd be the number one. Remember he would. what he remember what he did down here. Exactly. At the yes. He'd be the greatest college quarterback of all time, and James Washington would be enshrined with him. Go ahead. Uh, right. Text in the city. Here we go. We'll start with John in North Carolina. He says, "Bottom line, if the Steelers are serious about being a playoff contender next season, they will start anybody." But Kenny Pickett, sorry ass, I've seen enough of him to know he stinks. Rudolph, Wilson, Fields, Cousins, Tannehill, Paul Zeiss, anybody would be better. But clearly, they're rolling with Pickett and they're going to regret it. That's a long text, but I think it's very uh, passionate, well-worded. I'm going to give it an 8.5. I don't necessarily agree going that far on Pickett. I am kind of interested to see him with a new coordinator, but an 8.5 out of 10. Paul, how about you? Um, I give it a I give it a pretty high mark because the guy has a strong opinion. I don't know if I agree with it, but yeah. I think he's got a pretty strong opinion, so I'll give it an 8. Next. Next up, Murph from East Liverpool, Ohio says, in 2025, Henry Davis will be the Pirates' full-time catcher with Andy Rodriguez being the full-time first baseman. He made the minor league all-star game as a first baseman, and you will solve solve your two biggest uh, player position questions with those two. That's really, really well written, Paul. Mm-hmm. And it brings up an interesting point. Andy was talked about for a lot of different positions. And as we mentioned earlier in the show today, his injury worries me. So if you're looking for a first baseman, we were talking about Hank Davis. What about Andy? as your future first baseman. Nothing would surprise me with the Pirates. They could both become pitchers, and it wouldn't surprise me. i give that guy a 9.5. Yeah, I, I would say i give that guy pretty high marks as well because I think it, it, he does raise a good point. I don't care which guy's the first baseman and which guy's the catcher, but if they both aren't a big part of what's going to happen with the Pirates going forward, it's probably a problem. I just want them to hit. Right. I, 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 I want them both to hit. Yes. Next. From Wild Bill in Willard Hill, Deontay Johnson makes the Steelers' offense worse. Tyler Boyd would make it better, or any other receiver for that matter. Steelers should draft a center, not get a hand-me-down. Look how much spirit that Broderick Jones brought to the line. It has not. It has to be a drafted center. It's a young man's game, not old-timers that could hurt. A little bit wordy there. I thought he should have stuck to one point, and now I can't even remember what his... Oh. Deontay Johnson's better than Tyler Boyd right now. I mean, come on. I wouldn't mind having Tyler Boyd, 
but Deontay's the better player. I think he went too far in on Deontay there. I'm only giving this a 4.5, Paul. I would say I give that uh, about a, a six because he does make a good point about, you know, hey, you bring in a young tackle, it kind of sparked the line. Maybe bringing in a young center sparks the line. So I'll give him a six. All right. From Gary in Cranberry. Paul all of being the, do big... all of these rhyme? Wild Bill from the Hill, Gary <laughs> and Cranberry? It, it... All right. Uh, the Steelers should use one of their fourth-round picks on Jordan Travis. Gary from Cranberry suggested. Paul Zeiss well, you know, suggested I that, that yesterday. I suggested that yesterday. You know I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give the guy a 10. I mean, uh, if, if they're going to bring in the Jordan Travis. No, seriously, I'd give him about an, uh, a 7.5, 8, because, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good thought. I didn't see enough of him. Tell me more about him. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a about six foot one, six foot two, maybe, but he's a dual threat quarterback. Um, really good throwing the ball, smart. You know, the problem is he's like Kenny Pickett. He's old. He's like you know, twenty five or whatever, twenty four. He's on the Whedon plan, the Brandon Whedon yeah, plan. Yeah, but but I think he's a, I think he has a chance to be a pretty good player. I don't think he's a superstar in the NFL, but I think he could be a good uh, good NFL quarterback. Short, quick, to the point that was. So I'll give this guy an eight. God bless me. An eight even. All right. Uh, Tim from Austin says, Evgeny Malkin returns to superstar form next season. His legs are currently shot and his season is done. However, he takes his training to new levels during the offseason and come back, comes back stronger. Uh, his best line was, his legs are currently shot. No, that's not happening. Evgeny Malkin is done as far as being a superstar in the league. I still think he can be an effective player. But the idea of him coming back next season as a superstar, I'm giving this a seven. Yeah, I'm giving him a five or four. I'm I'm thinking that it might be, it might be you know the fat lady's warming up her uh, uh, her her vocal cords for the Evgeny Malkin career. Yeah, I would sadly tend to agree. Any more, Jolie, or is that it? One more here from Mike in Brookline. Pirates are making the playoffs. Therefore, they should do the following. One, slowly build up Paul Skeens till July, and so he can still throw big time in Bucktober. And two, <laughs> do not trade for a pitcher, but save that draft capital for midseason. Sign, uh, looks like Michael Lorenzen, and flip him at the deadline as Burroughs, Brubaker, Skeens, All right, this Jared is it's too, uh, it's yeah, too, too long. Much. You, Jolie. Mean, it's a text. It's, it's a reason it's a they call it a text. It's a one. I've lost interest in it. My God. What did he, I don't even know what he said. It's like a thorough, kind of a thorough plan that the Pirates will make the playoffs and they've got a, they're going to have a solid rotation midseason, it sounds like. I did like the reference to Bucktober. I haven't heard that one in a while. I give him I give him five points for that reference, Bucktober. The rest is zero, so he gets a five. Paul, you said zero? I said a one. Thank you, Jolie. That was a rousing version of Tex in the City. Let's predict the Penguins weekend, shall we, Paul? Okay. They're playing Calgary, who... Wouldn't you know it, has suddenly gotten hot. They beat Winnipeg. They beat Boston. They won at Edmonton 6-3, to and they beat the Kings. They just beat those four teams in a row. I don't like that at all. And then you got the fighting Connor McDavid's on back-to-back nights. This could get real ugly. I don't like this weekend as it shapes up. I see zero points. I see one point. I believe they will get one. I think They'll get one of the two games into overtime. That would actually be, well, would that be for the trip then? 
They didn't get Three. a point. They didn't get a point last night. That's yeah, not good free. enough. Not good uh, enough. Uh, well, as we said, the minimum for the for the four game road trip had to be four points. If you come back and beat Columbus and Washington, because you won the three right, to four. Right, but my but but what we said was they had to get at least four points yeah. out of this trip. So yeah. maybe they get the overtime twice and get two more points and they get their four. Maybe Calgary will trade their goalie before tomorrow night. You think we'll see any trade over the weekend? You think Gensel's gone by the end of the weekend? No. Or will that be a last-second deal? I think if he's gone, it's going to be you know one of those shotgun marriages right at the deadline. You know what I mean? What are you going to do this weekend? Who? You. I'm going to try and make sure the crick don't rise, and I'll be back on Monday. <laughs> no drinking this weekend? Nope. Did they tell you that? No, I won't. I, I, they don't need to tell me that, Joe. I've had a rough... No, how about no drinking and also no cigars and just uh, I'm going to just try and relax a little. How about that? You got any coaching duties? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I could if I wanted to. We'll see. Jolie, any wild plans this weekend? Toga party? I'll be here uh, producing tomorrow and throughout the afternoon and then Sunday morning as well. So Bob Pompiani's show tomorrow? Yes, sir. Bob Pompiani. What do you think of him, Jolie? Oh, he's he's incredible. He's incrinculent. Even if there's a, a word bigger than incrinculent, that's Bob Pompiani. You agree with that, Paul? You like Bob? Incrinculent? Yeah. No, that Bob like is, times uh, 10. is an amazing man. Oh, yeah. I love Bob. He's great. He's he is a been, very lovable man. He's always man. been great. Yeah. He's, he's, he's great to work with. He's He's funny. It's gonna be me, you, and him on Monday. Was Crick. it me, you, and him? Oh no, you no, weren't in Monday. I was. I was. The crick was rising yeah, on the Monday. The crick was rising. <laughs> was, it I, was rising. I know. Uh, he's also a fun man to have um, martinis with. You know, I've done that many times. Is there anybody currently in Pittsburgh media that you're in battles with, that you're at war with, so to speak? Nah, I get along with everybody for yeah. the most part. There's very few people. I mean, there's some people that I could live without, and I just avoid. Yeah. But as far as like a flat out. Feud? Yeah. No. Uh-uh. No. I get along with everybody. I really do. I'm easy to get along with. I would agree with that. You know? I you like him, Joel? Yeah, absolutely. I always just tell people, as, as long as you're just as long as you're not a you know what, we, we, we got no problems. I meet people one thing I do better than anybody I think I know, I meet people where they're at. Yeah. So there'll be people like, I can't believe you like this guy, or I can't believe you do it. Well, you know what? If you look at his situation, probably sp- speaks to why he's the way he is. So You like Benzie? Tim Benz? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but he's a good dude. He's always, I've, I've always gotten along with what him. What about Malsey and Pony? Jagoffs. No, I like them both, of course. <laughs> but it's easy for me <laughs> to say they're Jagoffs, right? Yes. You've had some feuds with them, right, in the past? Maybe. I mean, listen, feuds is, you know, I mean, we've gone back and forth about certain things, not seen eye to eye about certain things. But uh, It all passes, doesn't it? Exactly. At the end of the day, I mean, what are we doing? We're talking about sports for a living. Exactly. That's what I tell people all the time. Relax. Right? This is the one segment we can't go over on. Thank you, Paul. Bye-bye. Did I do everything? Did I do the weather? Jolie? Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet and McMurray. Save some green in March at Sun Chevy or sunchevy.com. Partly sunny skies turning to cloudy skies. High of 60. Talk to you Monday. <sighs> 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.